Hello and welcome to the first episode of the fifth season of the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. My name is Rob Peters in Indianapolis and I am joined by my good friend and co-host Josh Roller in Charlotte. We have a massive, and I'm talking about massive show uh, planned for you today because it is the first episode of our fifth season. So for five whole seasons we have been doing this show. Uh, we, we started it midway through 2019. Now it's the fifth season that we have been doing this. Uh, I'm excited. I'm super excited for uh, the upcoming racing season, the upcoming season that we got planned for you here uh, today on the show and throughout the rest of the year. Uh, we've had a good little, you know, some downtime to catch up to uh, to be back. But uh, hey, we're back. It's ready. It's it's the off season is over. Daytona's just around the corner so uh let's go ahead and jump right on into the to the news because we do have a lot of news to cover since the new year special which boy feels like forever ago now um so yeah (laughs) (laughs) we'll go ahead and jump right on into things with uh, my little racing report here we'll start off uh with formula one news um and starting on with a uh, precursor to what our upshift downshift questions are going to be like, as we are going to talk about this one a little bit later in the show. I guess we're just going to start right off that, say, hey, we've got some news. We're not going to go into it just yet, but we have news. Um, The Chinese Grand Prix was axed from the 2023 calendar in December, and Formula One has come out now saying that the race will not be replaced. Talk about that later uh, in the show. Next piece of news here. Jamie Chadwick will remain part of the Williams Driver Academy while she switches her racing focus to the United States with the Indy Lights, Indy NXT. I don't like calling it that. I've heard someone now call it actually Indy Next on the Rolex 24 broadcast. I heard someone actually call it Indy Next. I'm not calling it that. You can't pay me enough to call this anything but Indy Lights. Um Next piece of news here, Robert Schwartzman has been promoted to a Ferrari reserve driver role in 2023, sharing duties with Antonio Giovinazzi, while Haas F1 team has elected to retain Pietro Fittipaldi as a test and reserve driver. Good for Pietro, uh, and good to see Robert Schwartzman getting a, a test and reserve role, though I still think he should at the very least be an F1. Uh, McLaren will be able to use Mick Schumacher as a replacement driver per Mercedes. So that's good. Mick's got that going for him as he's got the Mercedes test driver role and uh, he'll be able to be loaned to McLaren if they need him. Uh, Next piece of news here. The organizers of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix expect to host the race at Jeddah until 2027 as work continues on the future Kedaya circuit. I have no idea if how that will do. I, I mean, Jetta's, Jetta's fast and scary. Jetta still scares the living crap out of me. It scares the living crap out of everybody. I don't think it's just you. I mean, man. Can't... New circuit that's maybe a little bit slower can't come soon, soon enough. Um, big news in the, for, in the Formula One world. Uh, this was a big, 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 big news. This is a shock. I mean, there was this was rumored, uh, but... It, it came out, and it, it, it kind of shocked me a little bit, but not all, as much as maybe it could because, again, I had heard the rumors. But uh, Ford Motor Company is rejoining Formula One beginning in 2026 as the power unit supplier for Red Bull Racing. Racer Magazine understands Ford will be focusing on battery and hybrid technology, setting the FIA at F1's recent finalization of the 2026 power unit regula- regulations to include increased electrical power and sustainable fuels as a key to their return. It's funny ironic i think someone brought up how everything has come full circle uh ford 
actually what is currently the Red Bull team was originally the Stewart Grand Prix, which was a Ford factory team, ran Ford engines, yep. uh, that eventually turned into Jaguar way back Jaguar. when. When you remember Jaguar. when Ford owned Jaguar? <laughs> Jaguar, yeah. Jaguar. Um, as long as you don't pronounce it Jaguar, I'm fine. Um, that's enough. a pet peeve of mine. I don't know why. My wife pronounces it Jaguar, and we ha- go back and forth. I'm like, Jaguar, 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 Jaguar. No, I, we, we go back and forth like that. And I don't know why. I, you know what? I get it, though. I say things weird just to bother her, so she got, she's got to do it to me, right? Oh, what you just witnessed was marriage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kids, kids listening to this, when you grow up, that's what it's going to be like. That's what it's like. Uh, all right. Uh, big news going back into the IndyCar world, because we're done with the F1 news for now. We'll talk about more F1 news later in the show. But for IndyCar news, we've got 13 IndyCar races uh, coming on NBC this year. So that's big. Another uh, season of most of the IndyCar races being on broadcast television, which is huge. Uh, three will be on USA, those races being Road America, Mid-Ohio, and the uh, Gallagher Grand Prix. I guess that's what they're still going to call it, the doubleheader IMS road course race with NASCAR. And then one race will still be on exclusively on Peacock, and that'll be Toronto. Um uh, they, uh, speaking of uh, things, uh, Toronto, I guess people living in Toronto are going to be excited about this. They found out the, today that TSN is returning to broadcast the uh, IndyCar series up in Canada. So a lot of Canadian fans finally bringing a, breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> finally, they don't have to go through, jump through the insane amount of hoops that they previously had to in order to watch IndyCar. Uh, it's back on TSN, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, TSN's got five channels. And, and and then they've got the streaming service now, TSN Plus. Um, so lots of different ways to watch IndyCar this year. It, it'll definitely be be much easier. Uh, some uh, rookie news. Uh, Agustin Canapino is set to drive the number 78 Junkos Hollinger Racing Chevrolet. He'll be teammates with uh, Callum Eilat. Be interesting to see how he does there as a um, Argentinian rookie. Uh, you know, the last... Argentinian that I recall, not it wasn't an Indy car, but uh, Esteban Guerrieri was in Indy uh, was in Indy Lights in the turn of the 2010s, uh, and I remember him uh, quite well. In fact, in fact, uh, I in, in, when I was in, in in Spanish class in high school, we I did a project on famous people from Argentina, and and the two people I focused on were Luis Scola and um you know my favorite basketball player and uh, Esteban Guerrieri and oh, of course Juan Manuel Fangio who was also uh, Argentinian the multi-time Formula 1 champion so good to see an Argentinian back in IndyCar first first one actually to drive the big series since i think Juan Manuel Fangio the second when uh, he was racing in kart and uh for Dan Gurney's All-American Racers if i correct, if i'm correct um so that might uh, outside of Esteban Guerrieri, I think. Um, so cool news there. Uh, some uh, interesting news here. We now know who's going to drive the oval races for the number eleven Chip Ganassi Racing, the newly numbered from the forty-eight. It's now the number eleven. It will be Takuma Sato. He will be. We we know we knew Sato was going to go into a partial retirement, but uh, it's not really much of a retirement because he's going to move to quite possibly the best team he's ever been with um and and run all the ovals this year with chip ganassi race i think actually that's a good pickup that's a pretty good pickup for them not gonna lie 
Um, and if this happens to be the end of his career, I mean, good for him. He's going to have a he's going to have a legitimate shot to get a third Indy five hundred. Yeah, I mean, it'd be with three different teams. It would be with three different. Think about that. I think the thing that's so amazing to me about Thado is think about how many years we went without a Japanese driver winning the 500. I mean, we had to have Japanese drivers come through all the time and attempt the 500, but no one ever had a chance to win it. And here comes Sato out of nowhere from Formula One, and he starts his career, you know, in IndyCar is kind of crash prone. About a decade later, I mean, he's a front runner and a two-time Indy 500 winner. It's crazy. It's like, Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know where did this come from? And now you know he if he could win it a third time, just that would be that would be crazy. Yeah. That would with three different teams. Just I mean, Sato's got something. I mean, he's he's got nothing. If if even if he doesn't win it a third time, he's got nothing to hang his head head on. He's got a Formula One podium. He's got Indy five hundred wins. You know that's a lot of people would kill for something like that, right? You know, there's a lot yeah. of drivers that would that would love to have those kinds of stats. Uh, and Sato can say he does have them. So, I mean, there's drivers who would kill just being on a Formula One podium. He and he's done that and more. So he did it at Indianapolis, nonetheless. Yeah, of all things, he did, he did it at Indianapolis. And then he comes back, what, 15 years later, and wins and wins the big thing on the oval. It's pretty crazy. Um, we got uh, news on the greatest name in racing, Stingray Rob. He's landed a full-time IndyCar ride with Dale Coyne Racing and Rick Ware Racing's number 51 entry. He'll drive the, I believe it's now going to be a, I, I, I don't, I don't think, so from what I understand, the, the company that's been sponsoring uh, Cody Ware and then this number 51, um, for uh, IndyCar for Dale Coyne, Nurtech, uh, the, yeah. the, the migraine medication i guess their parent company is now sponsoring so biohaven is the new sponsor uh it's the just the parent company i guess of whatever makes uh the Nurtech. big uh, pharma baby big sorry did I say that? it is big pharma you're right it is big pharma um it, well it's not like eli Lilly didn't sponsor a ra- the 250 for all those years um yeah but uh yeah that's where that's we saw Cody Ware's ride at the Clash this weekend, and now uh, if, if you've seen Stingray Rob's Stingray Rob's new ride, uh, it's it's pretty similar. Uh, now the biggest news in the IndyCar world, probably the best thing they have going for them right now. Let's be honest, and it's not even coming this year. Is that Kyle Larson will finally? It is finally after all these years, after years of begging. It feels like a decade. It feels like a full decade of people thinking, oh man, is Kyle Larson going to do this? Is Kyle Larson going to do this? He's finally going to do this. He's going to attempt to qualify for the 2024 Indianapolis 500 with Aaron McLaren uh, with partial backing from HendrickCars.com. I think that's incredible because that's basically Mr. H uh, making the calls. And this is someone who years ago, you know, up until recently, probably would never have let his drivers compete in the Indianapolis 500. Now here he goes. Mm -hmm. He's going to essentially help fund Kyle Larson's attempt at the race. Uh, it'll be in a Chevy, of course, which, you know, I'm probably sweeten the deal. But that's that's the thing that I'm I'm amazed about is I feel like 10 years ago, and this, this dates me because, you know, 10 years ago, I'm sitting here thinking, what's Kyle Larson going to be like in the future, I wonder? You know, everybody was like, oh, I know Kyle Larson's going to be good, but how good really is he going to be? And everybody, I, I think it was um, 
that's why uh, everybody was so excited when this was announced. There was a lot of tweets going out, like Robin Miller's smiling, Robin Miller is smiling. Um, and, and they're probably right, because I, I just remember all those years ago, Robin Miller being like, dude, we got to get Kyle Larson into the 500. We got to get Kyle Larson into the 500. Like, that was his goal. Like, his life goal for, like, the last 10 years of his life was, like, trying to get Kyle Larson into the Indy 500 because he knew how important it was to have happen. So uh, I believe this will – So, and I think what's even cooler about this is he'll be doing the double. Um, and I think that's probably one of the coolest feats in racing when it happens. Yeah. Um, and when so, – so you really, you really have to cherish it when it happens. Like back in 2014 when Kurt Busch did it. I mean, it, it, seriously, is it, that, you're, that, that just struck me. It'll be a, a 10 years. Ten whole yeah. years since the last time the double was was attempted with Kurt Busch. What was Bush the last time close. it was done before that? Was it two thousand four or three? Four with Robbie Gordon. <laughs> Literally. Ten ten, yeah. Here's the thing that gets me about it. And, and Gordon didn't even get to finish the, the five hundred that year because of the rain. That's true. He didn't. He, I think Here's, was it Jacques Lazier who finished the race with him? I think it was. I think you're right. I, I want to say it was Jacques Lazier who finished the race for him that year. Here's the thing that I don't get though. Wasn't the rumor that Kyle Busch wasn't going to be in the car this year was because Zach Brown didn't want to put Dayglow Menards yellow on his car? Yeah, well, yeah, because the, yeah, the ride would know. have come from from the sponsorship backing would have been from Menard. Yeah, from so Menard. don't don't you think that there's going to be Hendrick Motorsports blue on this car of Kyle Larson? They care because look, the, the, look the the papaya. Orange, they already have. Look, I mean, look at Rossi's car. Look, they've got blue on there. I think no, it's just but, a lighter shade of blue. But yeah, but but think about it, though. You I, you know that Rick it, Rick's not going to be like, hey, I want to have Hendrick Motorsports blue. That's why you're not going to get like a re, an inverse paint scheme from Kyle Larson because he wants his HendrickCars.com. That's true. To, he wants his HendrickCars.com cars to look the same every time. Now, part of that's Ricky. Right, part of that's 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 in that's in Ricky's memory, but at the same time, it's branding. So I mean, it's kind of a little fishy. You're not going to take Kyle Busch. If I was Kyle Busch and I first saw this, I'm like, I'm pissed. I'm sorry, but I'm a little mad at this. So and and it's going to make me want to go find another ride somewhere else. To I'd be surprised if there wasn't another Chevrolet team that'd be willing to pick. Him I up. think Ed Carpenter would Racing would be a great take fit. the Menard sponsorship, right? I Ed Carpenter Racing. Look, here's the thing about ECR, and I'll say this right now. I am super concerned. I am super, super concerned that all of their sponsorship funding has come from crypto in the past three years. Yeah, it's probably in stocks, too. Like, honestly, I have no... Like... uh, Okay. That surprises me. But it also doesn't because I will say, what I every time I check my Robinhood account, it surprises me that my Litecoin seems to be the only thing that's increasing in value, <laughs> which is wild to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know how they're doing that, and I'll have some more some more news on that here in a little bit. But yeah. ECR should take that John Menard money sooner before it goes away. <laughs> I mean, I would. I don't know what 
the it looks like for them this year. But if when I heard if I'm in and I heard they've got turned down, or 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 and Menards and Kyle Busch got turned down for the five hundred, be like, hey, yeah, yeah, I hear I hear you need a dancing partner. I got three cars sponsored by BitNile, and every time I try and look into BitNile, it seems like it's relaunched itself twice. I don't know. It can't tell you what it is. I mean, is it a firm? Is it a is it a app? I don't know. And the guy who runs it seems like a super sketchy Twitter user. Probably one of the guys that Elon Musk follows. Um, before I get onto the, my more more onto my uh, I have issues with Elon Musk bandwagon. Let's move on to SRX news because I'm still waiting on SRX to announce Casey Kane. It won't happen, but I keep praying it will. Um, it happened though, man. Why can't it happen? Hey, Please. I got it. Yeah. Everybody, everybody else, all of my other like racing friends or people I know who like racing, they all get to see their favorite drivers in SRX. And I'm just sitting here like, I have not seen mine. Where is mine? Why is mine not in SRX? Like, this isn't fair. I, I mean, yes, he's right. He's going to be a new dad, one. man. He, he's got a new dad and a, and a hot fiance. What, what, he's, are they married now? Either way. He 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 doesn't he doesn't need SRX. I know he's running the full world of outlaw sketch. Okay, Again. before I get into that, I will say uh, one thing um, that I'm super happy about that was an, also announced today. Be- I say this because I'm frustrated that I have to pay for another totally different service to watch the world of outlaws, and I just I I'm unemployed right now. I can't I can't afford that. I want to watch Casey Kane and the world of outlaws, but I can't afford Dirt Vision. I I can I just have flow and that's all I got right now. Um and thankfully because that's all I got right now, uh the Cars Tour just announced that they've got a deal with Flow Racing. Yep. So all of the Cars Tour racing races are going to be a Flow Racing and that to me I'm like thank goodness because don't get me wrong I like Flow Racing, but there's a severe lack of pavement short track racing like late model stuff on Flow and that's what I've really wanted to watch. Not to yeah. say that I don't like the USAC stuff I do. I like I use it to watch, you know, Indiana Sprint Week. I use it to watch things like that, but it's not like I'm tuning in almost every night for some random dirt track in God knows where, middle of nowhere Midwest, right? Um, but if the Cars Tour is there, yeah, okay, now, now we're talking about something. All right, back to SRX. SRX has announced uh, four full-time drivers, including two that are actually currently full-time NASCAR drivers. Uh, so Haley Deegan and Brad Keselowski will race alongside Bobby Labonte and Ryan Newman, um, full time. And then four other NASCAR drivers will compete on a part-time basis with Kevin Harvick at Stafford in Berlin. Denny Hamlin will race at Stafford. Kyle Busch will race at Motor Mile in Berlin. And Clint Boyer will race at Stafford Motor Mile and Lucas Oil Speedway. While Elio Castroneves will compete at Stafford Motor Mile and Lucas Oil Speedway. Uh, kind of sad to see Elio not running the full SRX season, but eh, I, I I feel like maybe he wants to focus on IndyCar. I was well, heck, he even flowed the idea about hey, why don't you just swap me and Tom Blomquist because he's I'm clearly better at sports cars than his IndyCar thing right now, which I think is bullcrap. But I I I oh boy, I don't know, man. Uh, anyway. Um, we'll move on to the NASCAR news now because we are about uh, 20, 20 minutes into the show. We'll get into some NASCAR news because there's a lot of NASCAR news to talk to talk about and cover. 
first of all, Jimmy Johnson, Jensen Button, and Mike Rockefeller will are were announced as the drivers for NASCAR's Garage 56 entry at the 2023-24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, Jensen Button has also stated he's interesting interested in running the NASCAR street race at Chicago and other road course races. Didn't expect that. That happened. Didn't expect that. Thought it was awesome. Uh, also love to see old Jim Jam getting out there for running the Rolex 24. I, I really, I really love the way that Garage 56 entry looks. I think it looks pretty cool. I think a lot of people, a lot of people have uh, noted the speed that it has um, and noted that it's, it's quite faster. It, it could be quite faster than a, a lot of the GT cars. Um, so it could be, I mean, that could be kind of interesting to see where it would finish overall. Um We'll just we'll see how it goes. I'm excited. I mean, I, I haven't. I have a. I have a struggle. I did watch the end of the 24 hours of Daytona this year, but I do have a struggle to watch sports car racing. I just do. I'm sorry. Oh, if you're I'm, sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I watch nothing but sports car racing sometimes. If it's the only thing that's on. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's the only thing that's on, I mean, even then, like I, I struggle to watch it. But, um, this garage. Six entry has me intrigued. I'm like, okay, maybe I will find a way to watch part of the 24 hours of Le Mans this year if uh, if I don't have to pirate it. Because if I'm not, I'm I'm not that risky of a you person. You don't have Motor Trend. I don't have Motor Trend now. That's another thing you, I don't pay for. You you don't have you don't have you don't have cable then, right? Still, I have cable now. Yes. Okay, so you have cable, then you don't. Then you should have Motor Trend. I'll have to look into it. I don't know. Yeah, especially you gotta, you gotta, see if you have the Motor Trend channel. It, it used to be Velocity. It's now the Motor Trend channel. That's what I'll it check is, it out. Le I guess I don't remember seeing that on my on my cable. But I'll check it out. But either way, I will try to find. I will. I will. But the point is, I will. I, this has me intrigued to watch, especially after seeing again. You mentioned it. The speeds. I'm like, okay. Well, let's see how this thing goes. I would love to see. Like, is this thing going to? Because what? How many cars start 24 hours? The 50. 55. 55? 56. The 56, yeah. Okay, so can this thing finish top 20? That's, I think, what a lot of people are projecting and wondering. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be fun to see it. I'm, I, that's I'm why. excited. I mean, I mean, I'm excited for Le Mans every year, but I'm super excited this year because of, because of that, that interest level. You know, taking a, a next-gen car and running it at Le Mans, I... I I just think that that concept is so crazy. It's so cool. I love it. Like, there's a NASCAR cup car racing in Le Mans. This is awesome. <laughs> tell myself that. Like, tell my young, young, younger self that. Like, tell myself that in, like, when I was 10. And, and see if I even believe you. Like, no, there's no way. Like, what? No way. Yep. Yes way. It's happening. Um... Moving on here to the next piece of news. Hey, Casey Mears reappears. Uh, he's interested in running 11 races to reach 500 career cup starts in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, be interested to see if Casey Mears is able to put a deal together to do that. He's been out of the Cup Series for like four or five years now. Um, he got booted for Ty Dillon. Think about well, that. yeah, and he came back and he ran that one-off in the 500 with uh, the premium uh, crap mobiles. Yeah. yeah. Which doesn't really count because it was with premium motorsports. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. We'll see if um, we'll see if uh, Casey Mears re will reappear. Uh, NASCAR has added LA Coliseum, which is in the past now, but 
uh, Martinsville, New Hampshire, North Wilkesboro, Phoenix, Richmond, and the, the, the Milwaukee Mile and IRP to its lists of tracks that can utilize rain tires in damp conditions. So very, those are the tracks that w- could potentially utilize these race race tires. Obviously, a lot of things have to go into play. The track has to be wet, but not too wet. Yeah, it can't be soaked. It has to just be damp. Um, and it then, just means then the, it just means that they don't have to get the track fully dry before they go back green. Right. Essentially, right? They can let the cars dry the track. The, the the cars go out there and dry the track, and then I'm sure everybody will pit for tires whenever they do. Um, uh, and then, uh, other big, uh, NASCAR news here. This was, this was the biggest and I'm, I'm super excited for this. I'm so glad they finally have done this. Um, NASCAR has announced that they have eliminated stage cautions on road courses for 2023 outside of, uh, standalone Xfinity and truck races. So standalone Xfinity and truck races are still going to have stage breaks, but that's mainly because they would have breaks anyway because non-competitive pit stops. They're not going to have yeah, they're not going to have live pit stops, which is so bullshit. for cup, right. cup series for the Cup series though. Yeah. We finally get to see strategy. Yeah. Strategy. No, no more of this. Okay, do we want to go for the win or do we want to go for points? No, and I I'm super excited about this now because I think we could finally see the true potential of this next gen car on yes. a road course. Yes, We're, it's I mean, be fantastic. I, I am, it's going to be really exciting here in about a month. Yes, yes. When 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 we roll in, Coda is still the first road course of the year. So yeah, when we roll into Coda, I'm going to be, whoo, that's going to be exciting. I'm so I'm, I'm I mean, we've been talking about this on the show many times. Like this is something that had to happen. This is something that we wanted to have happen. Um, and and it's like there's nothing wrong. Like if NASCAR wants to have these stages, as I've always said, there's nothing wrong with that. But do you need to stop the race altogether? Can we not just have a race that goes green to the finish anymore? And now finally we might have that again with a road course race that'll actually be reliant on strategy. Now, of course, that's not to say that a car couldn't go off and get stuck in a gravel trap and trigger full course yellow with six race, six laps to go and throw everything out. out but the that's, that's the way that's the way it was from 1949 <laughs> to 20. 20- 16 so i mean it's that's not new to the sport no it's not it could still happen but it'll be more organic yeah so we like when we like organic races to play out that's what made jeff burton's leading all 300 laps at new hampshire so fantastic back in 2000 i would argue the year truex literally dominated the 600 oh that too but he didn't lead all 400 laps so it doesn't count I'm just okay. kidding. I'm just kidding. You're, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. He Greg, came pretty darn close to leading all 400, okay? He came, yeah, well, led, what, all but six laps? Came pretty 394. Yeah, it was, it was up there. I mean, he came probably about as close as you possibly could in an endurance race like that to lead every lap. Yeah. Which is just not, I mean, you're going to make Beckett green flag stops. How, it, it's, it's objectively going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, and But again, it does prove your point that Jeff Burton's feat was impressive, but Truex doing it with four stage breaks. Yeah. You know. Eh. Um, all right. Uh, and, and now that we move on to some 
We talked about some happy news. Now let's move on to some sad, upsetting news that I'm going to rant about later on the show. NASCAR announced that Auto Club Speedway will not host a NASCAR weekend in 2024, or it possibly won't host one in 2025 either, depending on how long it takes for the facility to be reconfiguration, reconfigurated. Um, Which has also not been finalized. Yeah, we really don't know how that's going to go. I mean, I it's, gotta be a, it's going to be a Bristol. It has to be a Bristol, right? They've said it's going to be – they said it's going to have long straightaways and tight-banked turns. That's that was the original. Want. That was the original one. They said it was going to be like Martins, – it was going to be Martinsville um, straightaways with Bristol banking. But then they said, okay, the cars actually can't do that. No, it's I not don't a, think so. It, because uh, they did the iRacing test and basically a video game. It's like, okay, this is something you see in Mario Kart, and when you see – the graphics because they don't really do it all the way and it's like don't 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 do the corner yeah that's how it would be for the cars so right. i think they've said okay because they wanted to use the they, they wanted to use the existing grandstands and then yeah. the pit suites but they determined that's not possible so i think they're gonna i think what they're gonna do is demolish the entire thing and they're gonna build a bristol copy out west which i think arguably if you are going to destroy a great track like fontana and you're going to build a short track you got to do something like Bristol. You have to because that's what the West needs. They need, they 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 need a short track at the. Ex- they don't need it at the expense of a great track like Fontana, as we said before. Just know when we talk about this, we're always it's always it doesn't need to happen at the expense of Fontana. Um, but that's what they need. They need a short track that is high speed. It's 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 dramatic. And not that Martinsville and Richmond aren't. Not that Memphis can't be. Not that Wilkesboro and Nashville Fairgrounds can't be, but but Bristol, Bristol's Bristol. What what's a race that you have wanted to? What two races did you always want to watch every single time they came on when you were a kid? Bristol always. So it was either Bristol or Talladega. Yeah, and they're not going to build Talladega. It's going to be a short track. So it's got to be Bristol. And that, and I'm sure what they've come up with the we get because they got to run it through the planning stages because. Every single government agency is going to have to get their hands in it and say, okay, well, this is going to hurt that. I'm like, it's already there. It's not going to hurt anything. Just build it. So, um, sorry, I'm going on my government rant. I have, I, no, I have it's, it's fine. I mean, we said rant. more on this later in the show, and now I'm yeah. all fired up about well, this. Well, it's a little bit the, – the, the, the que- I'm not hitting on the question later on in the show. I'm just kind of getting it out here. Like, this is just – you know, it, it's sad to lose California. I was really hoping last year with their convince, okay, maybe we don't need to get rid of it. But I, I, I it just looks like we're uh They seem hell bent on doing it regardless of what anybody says. I mean, there seems to be substantial pushback from not just the fans, but the teams, but the drivers, and even yeah. a lot of, you know, people even some locals. You okay. know, it, it it seems like there's not a lot of people that are really for this. You know, I mean I think it here's the thing, and this is how this is how you know fan fandoms and people they could go different ways. There's there's constructive criticism, and then there's the people that just I, I don't know how they don't care what the company do. They're fanboys, and they will support them and they will agree with whatever they say. Like there's no I'm trying to find the in between there because. When I look, you know, and maybe this is a small sample size, just based off Twitter or whatever, or based off Reddit, based off, you know, forums, message boards, stuff like that. It seems to me that you have these, 
when it comes to the autoglove situation, you have these two very specific groups. And there's one group that says, this doesn't need to happen. The track is fine the way it is. The next-gen car is great. Then you have IndyCar fans over here saying, for the love of God, do not give, do not take away our, any opportunity for us to not hold a race here ever again. Because IndyCar fans would love to have a race to, to, to go back to California. Yeah. Um, just to have another oval, period. But to go back to California, that'd be huge. Um, and then, so you have that group, and then you have this other group of people that are like, it's the best, it's for the best, you know, nobody likes California, or, you know, they're, they're those kind of people, or they're, they're the same people are like, who, who, they're the same people who are saying things like, nobody went to Chicagoland, so it's pointless, thank God for the street race, because it's, you know, we're, it's revitalizing, or whatever, it's like, there's yeah. two distinct different, and there's nobody in the middle, Who's no. sitting there? Right, here, I'll be in the middle. I'll be in the middle for you. Okay, be in the middle for me. And, and, I, and I, I'm just going to sum up what I was just saying earlier. If you're going, I don't think they should demolish it. I don't think it is struggling. But if you're going to demolish it and build something, you can't, you got to build something exciting that you know works and you can't experiment. And that's Bristol. I'm I mean, you, you have to hit it out of the park. I mean, they're going to have to. The expectations for this first race at this new California Speedway short track, whatever, they're going to be astronomical. Like, if you don't hit it out, if, if NASCAR literally does not hit it out of the park with this first race, everybody's going to be like, dude, we just lost this great Speedway for nothing. You yeah, know? 100%. Yeah. Because you're looking at a racetrack that holds an insane amount of history. Maybe not so much – well – Yes, actually, NASCAR yeah, it holds history. a lot of history from from day one. NASCAR and IndyCar have both been going there and had, or or holds, American Open right. Wheel have both been going there and had great history making moments. It's the location of Jimmy Johnson's first Cup win. Yep, it's the location of the fastest open wheel uh, lap ever recorded, with Jill DeFerrin did it with two hundred forty one mile an hour. Um, it's it's uh, the location of arguably the greatest IndyCar race of all time period the 2015 race um it's got it's it, it's made its name in nascar lore for the 2013 race that it had there and and the 2011 race between harvick and johnson uh which was also incredible um oh and let's not also forget the the countless fantastic finishes that we've seen there uh in the xfinity series um i'm thinking one just off the top of my head was it 09 or or 2010 whatever in the Xfinity series where literally everybody was spread out. It was a green, white checker last lap. Everybody was spread out. And it was like Kyle Bush, Greg Biffle and Joey Logano. They were all going for, for the lead. They were swapping the lead every turn. Cause you know, you got, this is a track that's got five lanes on it. So everybody's looking at every single lane and that's gone. That's going to be gone. That's going to be gone. And I'm, I'm just not so sure I'm ready for it, and 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 it 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 no, is. No one's it's, ready for it. No one is. It, it it's got too much history. It's got too much history. It's too historical of a track. And and now when I move on to this, I want to say I want to say something else to this too. Is uh this is a follow up to this news story? Is that NASCAR also announced that they were looking at, or at least Jordan Bianchi of the Athletic yeah, put this right. out here about. NASCAR looking into the potentially of making the Clash of the Coliseum points race, or at the very least, looking at another place that they could do. A lot of people suggested Kern County. Kern County, one hundred percent. If you're going, if you need a Southern California race, this is exactly. And this is the point I was about to make: was that if you really want to do that, 
why not just look at Kern County? Kern County has a perfectly good racetrack. I mean, yes, it's it needs enough for forty cars. It, it's yes, big it, enough for forty cars. But it it'll put on a good race. It will. It, it needs significant upgrades. Yes, it'll need a safer barrier. It'll need a pit road. It'll need it'll need stuff. It'll need. I'm sure it'll need amenities, parking improvements, all that stuff. And all that stuff's going to take money. I get that. I have to think though. Okay, how much money are you going to make selling that existing land from California, and then having to reconfigure the whole track and tear it up? How much money is that? Like, are you going to make a profit or break even on that? Or could you just spend the money anyway? I mean, they're spending money right now to fix up North Wilkesboro. And, of course, some of that was government not funding. Not NASCAR. That's Speedway Motors. That's government funding. In but, but, North Carolina. And SMI. But I, I sit there and I think, okay, so we have the ability. It's like we've done these things before. We can fix up these tracks and bring Cup Series there. Why would we want the, the clash, the clash, the Coliseum, that should not be a points race. That's a fun, that's a yeah. fun race. That's a fun exhibition race that, that should never under any circumstances be a points race. You can't even fit 43 cars on there. You can't the fit 25 on there. <laughs> yes. You can barely fit, fit that. I mean, it's too small. It's supposed to be a fun race. That's what this clash is. It's a fun race. It's a fun little race that we do to kick off NASCAR season in California you know, we, we do this fun little race now. Okay, that's that's what it is. It's cute. It's nice. It's whatever. But it's not. It should be a points race. Yeah. If we want to make a points race in SoCal, Kern County, Kern County is a place to go. Is it technically that SoCal? No. Okay. It's not super SoCal, but it's it's SoCal enough that I think you could, at the very least, get a solid crowd to come yeah. out there. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, that's uh, that's my view of it. Or you know, again, if they want to try the the street street course route, I'm not opposed to a SoCal street course. Or some people, speaking of that, some people suggested running um, NASCAR uh, and having the Long Beach Grand Prix feature NASCAR. You know, I've seen that be mentioned. I'll save my comment for that for later in the show with that question. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, so you're going to make me wait about how you feel about this if you think it's a sacrilegious or not. Because I'm yes. still sitting here thinking the worst thing in the world was when Formula E decided they weren't going to do Long Beach again. Uh, and I still hold by that. I still stand by that. I think they, they dropped the ball. You're not wrong. They dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. They could have had a solid American presence by by running a Long Beach Grand Prix with IndyCar and IMSA, and they totally dropped the ball there. Um, all right, now um, uh, more more on like I said, more on that later. We haven't really talked specifically about what the upshift downshift question is, so I don't feel too bad for going off topic there. But uh, the next piece of news here is Connor Daly will attempt the Daytona 500 with the money team and sponsorship from Bit Nile. Uh, Bit Nile, like I was just saying, the company that has literally just thrown money i guess the crypto company it's throwing money at ecr now they'll sponsor connor daly's uh daytona 500 attempt coming up so i mean that's cool for daly don't get me wrong i think it's great for him so happy to see it also the car looks cool i can't deny the fact that this this gold and black and blue kind of concept that bit nile has going on i can't deny that that they do not produce you know ugly looking race cars they Cars are very, very pretty. Yeah. Um, the next piece of news here is very disappointing. Uh, it, it, well, 
it's it's good, but it's it's disappointing news. Um, Zane Smith has been announced has been announced as the driver for the number thirty six car, a third car for Front Row Motorsports in six Cup races in twenty twenty three. So Zane Smith is going to run six Cup races in the number thirty six car in twenty twenty three. But it was also announced that he's going to replace Todd Gilliland in the number thirty eight in five races. So Todd Gilliland, who honestly didn't do all that bad last year in his rookie campaign, is being told he's not running the full season. Yeah. And that Zane is going to take over his car. Now, and as just as I say that, I will say that literally as we're recording this podcast, I saw on Twitter that Josh Rayum has uh, offered um, a offered Todd Gilliland a, a ride uh the two basically rides in here he just josh rayum just yeah tough deal hit me up maybe we can fill the gaps at team hesburg i mean that's i was gonna say it, it i wasn't thinking that that's great but i was gonna think is rick Ware racing i would have been calling though the, on uh knocking on todd gillen's door too saying hey what what races they have um yaley's signed on a drive what races they've got um uh Riley Herbst on to drive and, and I, I know they said David Reagan wasn't coming to wasn't gonna do any cup races this year, but I don't know who else would be making starts for Rick Ware this year. So maybe maybe that might be I mean I'm yeah, I mean FRM and Rick Ware have a deal. They've leased charters from each other in the past. Yeah. I mean they have some kind of business relationship at the very least, I would hope. Ford. I mean, I just don't think it's fair. It's not fair to, to Todd. I mean, Todd didn't do anything wrong last year. He kept his nose clean. He had some really, really solid runs there uh it, during the road courses during the summer. Um it, it's I don't understand why they would have the funding to run Zane in a third car, but then for six races, but then not have the funding to run him in a third car for five other races but they have funding to run him in five races but they don't have funding to run todd in these five races like what is the deal here like and they just announced they literally announced in december that the lineup was going to remain unchanged and then they just i mean they kept saying oh zane's going to run a third lineup remains unchanged you just made a slight little tweak we i i just don't think this is fair i feel like i mean an frm giving up on their rookies is also unfair I mean, let I mean, let's be honest. Alfredo wasn't gonna knock anybody's socks off last year, and he wasn't gonna. He hasn't been. He's never going. I mean, I like him, but he's not gonna set the world on fire. But Todd has potential. Todd showed great flashes of brilliance in the Truck Series. He could have and should have, I would say, won the championship or had that opportunity to win the championship uh, in 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 twenty twenty one. I think he was robbed from from that opportunity. Personally, that's my opinion. I think he was robbed from the championship opportunity, especially with the way the Martinsville race went down. I'm still mad about that. I still haven't forgotten about that. He ran that whole race perfectly. He had it down to a science. He was going to advance. He was going to go to the championship four, and he got taken out by complete, utter stupidity and idiocy, uh, like absolutely nobody respecting anybody. Um, And I just sit here and I wonder, you know, what would have happened if things turned out differently and Todd won that race, you know, maybe he might not have won the championship, but he would have gone to the final four at the very least and had an opportunity to win the championship. And, and now here he is, he has a solid rookie campaign and he's told, you know, Hey bud, you're not running the full season anymore. It's just, 
it's not right. And and obviously it's a business decision. I'm not saying, you know, I don't think that FRM decided, oh, Todd, you suck. You know, you're not going to let you run a full season now because Zane's better. I don't think that's what happened. It's the business decision. But it, that doesn't mean that it's any better. It's still crummy. It's still a crappy thing. I mean, it's still not fair to Todd. I feel like Todd Gilliland has had probably one of the unluckiest rises. You know, you'd think that someone who is like a third generation racer would have an easier time getting rides. And it seems like every time he has an opportunity or every time he has a breakout season or every time he has, he makes strides, like something comes in to derail, you know, to totally just derail his development or derail his career. It's, it's, it's upsetting. It's, it's frustrating to see. I mean, like I said, I felt, I felt like Todd did, did fine last year and, and he doesn't deserve this, but it's business and, and it's not Zane's fault either. I'm sure Zane probably didn't ask to replace Todd, especially when they're telling you, hey, we're going to run you in six races in a third card. And he's probably thinking, okay, great. <sighs> Tough. You know. Uh, now the final NASCAR piece of news here is that uh, Kevin Harvick has announced that 2023 will be his final season of full-time NASCAR competition. And before the start of the Bushlight Clash, he revealed that he is joining the Fox Sports booth in 2024 alongside Mike Joy and Clint Boyer. Great. We're never getting Larry Mack back, are we? No, Rob, you're not. Just going to accept. Not unless you get a new broadcast partner who sees things differently. Man. Man. All right. Well, I'm sad that Kevin Harvick is retiring because I really wanted to see him race with Keelan, but I didn't think that was going to happen. Um. I, I, it was going to be a hard. It was going. That was going to be a hard one, one to sell. Yeah, hey, you never know. Kyle Busch race for ten more years. Do you see Kyle Busch race for like at least nine more years, and then he'll be sixteen, and they can run truck races together? What I'm saying. What I'm saying. No. I need Kyle Busch to not retire for ten more years. <laughs> Oh god! I couldn't believe Keelan was ten. I thought he was older than that. I he did. He, how time flies yet goes so slow. Yeah, I, I I'm sitting here thinking. I thought for sure he was like eleven or twelve, but no, he's ten. He's only ten. I'm like, wow. Okay, I thought he was older than that. Um. All right. Let's talk on. Let's move on to the featured paint scheme. Uh, because it's going to be a fun one this week. Uh, their favorite new 2023 NASCAR paint scheme. Uh, Josh, why don't you go ahead and go first. Tell us what your favorite new scheme of the year is. I'm a big fan of the direction that Ally Financial, Hendrick, and Alex Bowman have gone this year, actually. I like the primary paint scheme you having a day and a night one. I don't think we've ever seen something like this before where you've had something where it, it you know, where, hey, this is specifically nighttime race ones, and this is daytime race ones. I could be mistaken. We did some interesting things in the early 2000s. Uh, so I don't want to like be 100% beholden to, hey, I think this is the first time we've seen this. But I like it. It's pretty cool. I, I, it's it's, it's uh, New Direction-esque for the sport. Um, more marketing as well. So, But I really like the day one where it's purple on the front, kind of fades to white and green along the bottom, and has white number 48. Um, the night one's not bad. I think it's a little messier, but I like the day one uh, a, a particular a lot. So... Uh, it, it it's um not that Ally had bad schemes 
with Johnson and Bowman in the past, but this one is a little, it's more exciting, more lively, uh, either way you look at it. So even if I think the night one's a little messier, but the day one is probably my favorite one. So go check it out on J-Ski. You can see it there. He also ran it at the Clash, which I thought was weird because it's the day scheme. Yeah, it's it, the Clash is actually a night race. So I, I think they were, they were confused just as much as everyone else was like, what do we call this? The heat races are during the day. Uh, or the, uh, the heat races were at night. Right? No, the heat races were during the day. And then you had the... Then you had the mm-hmm the consolation ones and stuff, or last chance qualifier. So yeah, either way, good looking paint scheme. I like the direction they're going. So uh, it's going to be cool. I think we're going to see a lot of cool paint schemes this year. We've already seen a lot of cool paint schemes already, but I think we're only going to see a lot more cool ones. And I think yours is, uh, yours is pretty cool too. Yeah. This one was uh, a lot of fun to do actually, um, because honestly, I've just been taken aback by Kyle Bush's paint schemes this, this season. Uh, since he moved to RCR, the paint schemes that have been coming out are just beautiful. Um, it's hard to pick a favorite. You know, I think I have three favorites, so I had to narrow it down and then and then pick from that. So the three favorites I narrowed it down to were the three chi paint scheme, the Bet MGM paint scheme that ran in the Clash, and then the Cheddar's paint scheme. The thing I like about the Cheddar's paint scheme so much is actually my wife and I do like to go to Cheddar's. It's a nice little date night for us. Um, I love the number eight special. I have no problems getting the number eight special which is you know the 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 chicken tenders and everything and i call it the adult kids meal i get a a big old glass of miller light and chicken tenders and fries and that's my adult kids meal and i don't care no one judges me um but that's what i like to get from cheddars and uh, the other thing i like about cheddars and the reason why i like the cheddar scheme so much is they always bring you the, the the buttery croissants as like your starter you know, most restaurants you go to, they bring you a starter, they bring you the bread. They, or like you go to a Mexican restaurant, they go, to, they bring you chips and salsa. You know, here at, at Cheddar's, they bring you the uh, a, a, a roll with uh, honey butter, and it's like my favorite thing. And the fact they put this 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 the honey butter roll on the side of the car, the, the Cheddar's car this year. I first of all, I love the design. I love the new the new take on it, like kind of the more dark and, and orange, but I, I just love the fact that they slapped the, the roll on there because now it's like every time I see that car, I'm going to be like, I want to go to Cheddar's <laughs> um, and order the number eight special, which is uh, still, and actually, speaking of the last time I went to Cheddar's when we, we went there, uh, our menus, we actually went a couple of weeks ago and I got a menu that hadn't been updated, but my wife got the updated menu. So my my menu still had the Tyler Reddick number eight next to the number eight special, but my wife had the updated one with Kyle Bush's new number. So take pictures. Oh, we didn't take pictures, but I mean, I know that they have them. There's they're changing them. Cheddar's is updating them. And I always, I got to say, I love the fact that Cheddar's does that because I love going to stores and at a restaurants or whatever and seeing NASCAR related items for like the, the cars and the drivers they sponsor. They're activating their sponsorship. Exactly. That's something that I used to remember when I was a kid, loving so much. Like anytime I went to a restaurant or anytime I went to a store that sponsored NASCAR, there was a very good opportunity that you were going to see a diecast or some kind of merchandise or something. You went to an Amico, you had Dave Blaney merchandise, you yeah. had a Dale Earnhardt Jr. Budweiser stanchion, a Rusty Wallace Miller Light stanchion, a a a Billy <laughs> Rollins. Cooler's light stanchion, and then you had someone random in there too, probably Ken Schrader with M and M's. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, you probably had uh, someone with the. Um, you probably had David Green with the the Wolf Tobacco. Yeah. 
right? Especially yeah. if you're going to a, and probably you probably had a bunch back just Winston in general back, back at a convenience store back then. You know, Winston cigarettes was everything NASCAR. So you probably yeah. get a poster of all the NASCAR drivers wearing Winston cigarette jackets. You yeah. know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to promote cigarettes, but it promotes the brand. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to this. So I explained what I like about Cheddar Scheme. Um, the bit and MGM scheme. Gosh, I just love gold. I love the gold and black of that scheme. I don't know what it was, but I like it's I like it Legacy more. Motor Club. Yeah, I like I like that more on Kyle's car than I did on Austin Dillon's car. I don't know why that is. Um, and then the three cheek scheme. I've been waiting for that to drop because the three cheek schemes from last year were so beautiful. Um, uh, I love both of them from last year, and then this year the Kyle one is again just as beautiful. I'm still waiting, and well, I have seen I have seen the merch drop for the three cheek Kyle Bush stuff. I want to get some of that. Still waiting for three cheek to really some kind of kyle bush branded uh product yeah. um just like cheddars is doing i'm sitting here like cheddars is is because here's the thing if, if if you're at if you're me the cheddars that i go to is actually right across the street from the cbd store that i also go to so you can put two and two together here and you're just sitting here like i want kyle bush activation here i am asking for kyle bush activation um, I demand it. Uh, but ultimately, I think my favorite is going to be, I'm going to have to pick the three G scheme just because I like the fact that it's the best. It, it combined the best of both paint schemes from last year. Like the paint scheme, I love last year, the paint scheme that three G ran uh, during the summer, like the patriotic scheme that had like, it had, it was an American flag, but it was like faded. The colors were just faded. So you could just barely make it out. And like the stars were the three G leaves and everything. Um, and then the, the Daytona 500 scheme, like the main 3G scheme, I loved how that was with all of the swipes on the car. Um, and I felt like they really combined the best of both, the things that made both cars last year look good and put it into the, this year's primary. Um, it looks really good. I'm really impressed with the way it is. But overall, Kyle's got a lot of great paint schemes, and I want die casts of all of them. So I'm going to need... I'm just going to need diecasts of all of these, like all three of these. You know, they did make actually a, a 164 three G of Tyler Reddick last year. It's on a little base, but you just take a screwdriver to that; it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get get that before I get all of the Kyle Busch ones. Um, let's move on to the upshift downshift before I talk more about how great Kyle Busch's schemes are. Um, not to say that like other ones weren't bad. Like the the net spend was pretty good the lenovo was pretty good the alsco was pretty good but those three like the cheddar's one i don't the ed mgm and then the three g those are the mwah, those are the chef's kiss ones all right moving into the upshift downshift it's our first upshift downshift of season five so again if you are new welcome to the show uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to our rambling so far. This is where we get into the nitty-gritty, the fun stuff. This is when we're going to start arguing, and you're going to start getting mad at us, and you're probably going to be sitting in your car driving wherever you are and probably start yelling, and people are going to look at you in traffic and be like, what's got that guy so worked up? Or And, and, and it's just going to be you yelling at us, being like, you guys are wrong. I saw a guy yelling at his car. I said, well, he must be looking at listening to our, our podcast and right. taking one of Rob's takes really, really to heart. So. Uh, yeah, for sure. He's I mean I mean, I'm probably I probably should check my Twitter, make sure that guy hasn't uh hasn't left me a nasty message. 
Um, but like I said, if you are new here, if you are new here, I'll explain how upshift downshift works. Uh, we are presented with a series of hypothetical questions and or statements. And uh, Josh and I, we upshift if we agree or we downshift if we disagree. And we explain ourselves and we have hotly contested debates or sometimes we don't have debates at all. Sometimes we're just on the right, the same page with each other. Uh, but if that happens and you're on an opposite page from us, we do want to hear from you. So to make sure to, to tweet the show, use the ha uh, hashtag uh, AskRobinRoller and uh, use our Twitter handle at RobinRoller spelled just as it sounds. So you can um, you can tweet to us and tell us your question, your questions, or you could also uh, uh, from one of the questions above, you can uh, if you are a Spotify listener, you can answer one of those questions right in the app. Uh, you can answer that question, uh, preferably not when you're driving, preferably when you're home and you've had time to collect your thoughts and um, know it's just exactly what you want to say. Um, and uh, so there's lots of different ways to interact with us and let us know. So uh, we'll go ahead and start off the first question of, of the show, and that is the FIA has officially opened the application process to add more teams in F1 as early as 2025. That's just two years from now. Do you upshift or downshift that the Andretti Cadillac team will join the grid by 2026? Josh. I think if F1 wants to maintain American interest, including my own, they're going to have to. And I think the FIA can say if the team, because a new Concord agreement will go into effect 2026, and they can say if you don't like it, you can leave. I think that's what what they should do. Um, I I'm kind of I, I don't know I we're plugging another podcast here, but Speed Street with Connor Daly. I'm I'm I find myself more and more having the mindset of Connor Daly to say, kind of saying screw F1 if they're going to say, we're going to come race in your backyard, but we're not going to allow your people to race in it. So F1, I think, has to, or FIA has to allow more teams and an Andretti and Cadillac team in there. It's Andretti and Cadillac. It's, it's, it's one of the most recognizable names in American motorsports, let alone motorsports worldwide, and it's Cadillac, a world-renowned brand. I upshift. They will be on the grid by 2026. I have to upshift myself. I mean, this is a situation where F1 cannot continue to gatekeep. You cannot continue to gatekeep. You are because here's what here's what they're doing by by gatekeeping like this is is they're telling other teams, they're telling other uh, not just not just investment investors or anything. They're they're telling other car brands, other uh. uh any any car brand period that if you want to make a name for yourself, if you want to get involved in our sport, you can't. Yeah. You can't. You can't. Doesn't matter how big you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can't unless we say so. And if we don't like you, we won't let you in. Yeah. And what's going to happen after a while? You keep you keep putting that that idea out there. People are gonna people are gonna leave. They're not gonna want to be involved anymore. And you're gonna start. They're gonna F one's gonna start losing partners because yeah. it's too elitist. It's too hard to get into the sport. You have you you don't want to make your sponsors or the people that make your sport go round. You don't want to make those people angry, especially if you don't have to. Yeah. And, and when we're talking about in the effort of competition, do we really think this is gonna lower the competition level? Like, yeah. do we really? I mean, yeah. this uh, people can talk. I mean, I understand. You know, people being nervous. Of, about letting new um, 
new teams in after what happened in 2010. You know, the collapse of HRT, the collapse of Cater, and the collapse of Manor. I, I get it. But at the same time, those teams were all brought into Formula One under false pretenses. If we recall, all three of those teams, and to a lesser extent, USF1, were all promised that a, a budget cap would actually be in place, that a cost cap would actually happen. It never happened. So the cost cap that these teams were relying on and expecting on never happened. They blew all their budgets. They had no possible way to repay their creditors, and they collapsed from the inside. Yep. Haas F1 team, on the other hand, knew, hey, we're probably never going to have uh, we're probably never going to have a, a budget cap. So we just have to go in here with unlimited money if, or as much money as we can and go in it realistically. They did it realistically. And now look where they are. They're a respectable team on the grid. Yeah. Uh, are we, we're going to act, we're going to sit here and act like Andretti can, could do the same thing. Of course they could. I think Andretti can do it at a much higher level. Ex- exactly. Think about what Haas was. I mean, Haas was Gene Haas's freaking little team. That was a NASCAR team. And he went F1 racing with it. Andretti is much bigger than a, just a little old NASCAR team with Tony Stewart. That literally was little and tiny until Tony Stewart bought into it. Yeah. I mean, when this was announced, when this Haas F1 team was announced, I mean, Lord, wasn't Ryan Newman still driving for the team? For, for was it, Still driving for Stewart Haas? Was it 2013? Um... 14, whatever I remember. I, I think remember. it was announced when he was still there. We got to remember he, the Haas F1 entry was delayed a few t- a few years. Yeah. So I think a, it, I think Newman was still driving for Stuart Haas Racing when the original announcement that Gene Haas was going to create an F1 team. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it it was a small Stuart Haas was a relatively small organization at that time. Yeah, they had and, they had they had probably only. Compared to where they are now. Yeah, I mean, it was probably just Stewart and Newman at the time. I think it was. And Danica was, I think, running the part-time. Yeah. Or they were getting ready for her to run. Um, and it, it it's just crazy to me. Like, why why is that okay? Why was that okay, you know? Because they didn't have eight, this much money coming in ago. at the time. They didn't have this much money. Now they have... They, they have so much money flowing in that the 10 teams that are there, and really it's not all 10 teams. I think there's just some people who are voting one way to be another. It's almost like American Washington, D.C. right now. You're voting because someone's telling you to vote a certain way. Or you're voting because you don't want the other guy to win. Or you're voting because you don't want to get yeah booted out yourself. I think there's more people who support the entry of more teams because in reality it will, it will, it will initially lead to less money in your pocket. Yes. But it will actually lead to more money because you'll have more merchandise sales. You will have more drivers interested. You have the potential for more countries interested in it because if their driver, they have a driver that's now invested in it. I guarantee you there's some people who will become invested in it. If, if Andretti Cadillac goes in there, that will be a pure American team. And they will put an American driver in it, if not two. So I, I, I don't, I think it's just, they're losing out in general. If, they, if, if a Japanese team wanted to come in here, so we won't throw two Japanese drivers in it. Go for it. You know, go for it. Because um, that that's only going to lead to more. I mean, J- okay, Japan actually might be a bad example because Japan just loves motor racing. I don't think they yeah, care. Yeah. But but in, in general, say, if you're in your country, it, it just, it, they're just, they're just, 
they're being very short-sighted, and I think they're being selfish, which is a good thing to be selfish. Short-sighted, not so much. What? Yeah. That's all I got to say on it. Well, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you by any means. I think you're right. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one here. Uh, this was an interesting piece of news that was announced. Uh, double points will no longer be awarded at the Indianapolis 500. Do you upshift or downshift this move by uh, by IndyCar? I upshift. I know that's probably not popular amongst traditionalists um, who like it. I, however, do, I've not ever liked the idea of a guy being 11th in points going into the Indianapolis 500 who's all of a sudden second because everyone in front of him kind of had a bad day and he won the race. I don't like that. So I like this move. It means that it's it, – you. Everyone knows, everyone knew that, yes, there's there's 18 races worth of points on the table because you have a double points at, at Indy. I get that. But I don't think one race should hold that much. An IndyCar should hold that much worth. So I like this move. I've, I've, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, probably every year around Indianapolis. Rob, you're nodding yes. He remembers me talking about it. Um... So I really applaud when I read this. I'm like, huh, didn't expect this, but thank you. This is the one good move in the last 12 months. I agree from IndyCar that they've done. So, yeah, this is good. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I don't know how you feel, Rob, because I honestly do, don't know. So interesting to see what you have here to say. You know, I, I never hated the double points. Um, I thought it's the Indy 500. It's a month-long race. Basically, I mean, it, you show up in May, in the beginning of May, and you're ready. You're ready. You you're on the whole the whole thing. And it, it, I think double points made sense before you had the Grand Prix. Like I said, because you had everything was, you know, everything was in May. Um, when the Grand Prix came along, I mean, double points still mattered because it was it was indie. But double point. The thing about the double points thing was it was always a, it was a gimmick from the start, and the only reason we started talking about double points, and I remember this, it, this dates me. I feel like all the stuff that happened in motorsports ten years ago didn't actually happen in motorsports ten years ago. I feel like it was sooner, but it was actually much longer ago than I I think. But I remember Bernie Ecclestone was big on this. I want to make the, the championship battle in Formula 1 more exciting, or it needs to be this and that. So he was like, I'm going to do double points. We're going to have double points races now. You know, and it's going to make things more exciting. And and everybody, like, picked that up and ran with it. And for some reason, like, IndyCar decided, yeah, let's do double points too. Even though F1 only did it for, like, the, the season finale race and then scrapped it after, like, a couple of years. IndyCar just kept on with it just kept on with it like if it wasn't double points at the 500 it was double points at the end of the race and the 500 or it was double points at like some other race it was just like i think at one point the double points was at three races the the three 500 mile races yeah i think that sounds about right yeah um and but it was a gimmick then it was a gimmick yeah. started by bernie anklestone as a way to make the formula one championship more exciting the indycar championship on by contrast has always has Always, you know, some years it's exciting, some years it's not. I mean, 
Formula One has one exciting championship battle in like 10 years, every 10 years. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. IndyCar has one maybe every four years. I like those odds better, but you don't need double points to make that happen. They never did. Um, and I would argue that double points, double points screwed a lot of people out of potential championships. Juan Montoya you could, won. Yeah, you could, in theory, have nine drivers walk into the finale at Laguna Seca with them 30 points. And guess what? All nine have a shot to win. It's not going to make Laguna Seca any more exciting, but... Well, <laughs> insert season finale track. Yes, they should be going to a proper season finale track. You know, like Auto Club, but it's going to die. All right, uh, next question here. Um, Formula One won't return to China before 2030. Do you upshift or downshift that, Josh? Uh, I don't want to get into politics, but I don't think they will. I think there's going to be a lot of issues in China. There will always be COVID in China. And therefore, I don't, th- I don't, I'm not sure F1 ever returns to China. Um, I know it's kind of a bold claim, but I, so for this, for the question, yes, I don't think they return or before, before, uh, 2030. So I upshift. I, I, I just, I don't, I, from what I see in the news and what, you kind of always see with China ever since COVID come out. I don't. I don't have confidence. I don't. So, look, I'm. I'm not. I. 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 I, I think. I think it's always gonna. I think it's gonna be. And they're gonna have. They can only have twenty five races on the F one calendar. They're gonna throw twenty six on there because they know they're gonna cancel China. So they're always gonna be stuck with twenty five. As stupid as that sounds, you know. I. I just. Uh, and you got to think, what else is going on there at the Shanghai International Circuit to keep it up to date? The money flowing in to keep the, 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 uh, the facilities up in proper working condition. Is that going to be taken care of? It had, they haven't had a race since 2019. So, and that's the only circuit in China that can host an F1 race. And I don't think they're ever going to have a street race there. So, No. I upshift. They're not returning before 2030, if not ever. You know what? I, 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 see, I see where you're going with this, but my honest opinion is that I think that they will. Um, I'm downshifting that. I think Formula One will, will return to China before 2030. I mean, that's a long ways away. That's, that's, that's still... I mean, we're, we're, we're barely in the first quarter of this decade. I mean that's I that's still a long ways away. Anything is a long way away. It's a bulk bulk. bulk. I, I don't want to make twenty five. <laughs> that's too. I mean, if you would have said twenty twenty seven, I mean, maybe I would have, maybe I would have had a better. But twenty thirty, I mean, it's like, dude, anything could happen. I mean, if you if you would have asked me in two thousand and thirteen what was going to happen in twenty twenty, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. And that's that's true. I think that's true. That's a very 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 fair point. That's Fair. that's just my feeling of it. I feel like that's too much time. I'm I, and the, 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 don't sit here and don't don't sit here and tell me that the Shanghai circuit is isn't gorgeous. I'm not saying it's not, but is it being is it being maintained? Well, I would hope that it would be maintained. I mean, it is. I mean, certainly there's got to have they've they've got to have Chinese racing series racing there, right? 
but is it bringing in the money to keep the stuff? I don't know. If you're, if you're a Chinese racing fan, I mean, it's the only thing you got out there. Which is a bummer because they've got uh, Guan Yu Zhou. That's, they can't even see him race. Um, all right, next question here. NASCAR should add an oval not currently on the Cup Series calendar to be a placeholder for Auto Club Speedway during its absence. Do you upshift or downshift? Absolutely, because I fear they're going to add a street course. I fear Long Beach. Long Beach, or they're going to go somewhere like Denver or Mexico City, and they're going to add a street course and, and have it be a placeholder. I think it's a mistake. One street course is bad enough. So I think if you really, I think, I think geographically the best, lo- the best choice is Kern County. But if you talk about facility-wise, I think you got to almost look at Memphis, Pikes Peak, Milwaukee, or Iowa. One of those four tracks should get the nod from NASCAR. Say congratulations, you got you have a two year contract. You're gonna have a, you're gonna, we're gonna have a race here, or you could say, hey, we're gonna go to Memphis this year and Iowa next year, or Pikes Peak this year and Milwaukee in twenty five. You know, I think that is what should happen, but I fear they're gonna go to a street course, and I fe- I don't think it will be Long Beach, but. I do fear that it's going to be some sort of a street course, and I don't like that. So I upshift that they should go to an oval, not currently on the NASCAR Cup Series calendar. Um, and yes, I know I forgot one of the maybe the big ones, Rockingham. It is now repaved, but I don't think the Cup Series is going to be going to Rockingham anytime soon unless they add four or five races to the calendar schedule. Well, you did you see what Rockingham said was that they had had discussions with NASCAR and it's entirely up to NASCAR. It's out of their hands. It's like out of their hands. Have NASCAR come back, but it it's entirely up to if NASCAR they, even wants to come back. They might get a truck race. They they might, but they might think that I think the only chance they're going to get back on the Cup schedule is if they if the Cup Series literally goes to forty forty two races a year, and they race midweek races. I think it's the only way it gets added. So I don't. I think I think your chances of going to Pikes Peak are higher than Rockingham. I really do. So, but I upshift on the original question. I upshift. So Rob, what do you think? You know what? Um, I said I wouldn't mind them if they went to Long Beach. I think it would be cool, um, especially if the Chicago Street Course works out. Because I think I'd prefer to see that than the Chicago Street Course. Because I feel like I feel like if not sure. I feel like if NASCAR goes to Long Beach, they're going. They're not going to Long Beach because they wouldn't. They wouldn't go to Long Beach because they want it to be permanent, or they want it to be a replacement, or they want it to just be a cool thing. You know, they go to Long Beach because oh, hey, this is an option. We could do something really cool. We can have some really cool fan engagement here. We can work with our the IndyCar partner that we currently have. We can work with the IMSA partner that we currently have. You know, currently own. Currently own, yeah. Uh, we could put together a big weekend of racing down in Long Beach. I mean, why not? I mean, Long Beach has had F1. They've had Formula E. They've had IndyCar. They've had IMSA. Why not NASCAR? I mean, it's it's a historic. I mean, it's it's not. It's probably one of the most historic street courses in the entire United States. What's wrong well, with NASCAR? The most historic street course in the United States. There is no if. It is the most. It, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is. Hands down. I mean, it, what is wrong with NASCAR racing at Long Beach? I think it would be cool if, I, if, I, if I, the I, Chicago I don't, street course is a success. I, I mean, I think 
you're right. If I if I if you said, do you want to go to one street course? Do you want to go to Chicago or Long Beach? It's Long Beach, but I don't think we need two street courses. If we no, get, we don't here, need. Two. Here, here, here. I'll say this: no, you can go to Long Beach. street courses at least. Yeah, you can go to Long Beach, but I want the Indy Oval back. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's a fair bartering tip. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll take that. My my thing is, you know, as I said earlier, is like I would like to see them if they don't go to Long Beach. I would prefer to see them upgrade Kern County and bring cup yeah. cars there. I mean, Kern County would be fine for it. I mean, every time I've seen racing at Kern County, it looks awesome. Right. Right. It looks fantastic. You know, there's a reason that the West Series used to go there twice. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a fine racetrack. It's a good racetrack. It's got it produces fun racing. I mean, that's that's just my opinion. You know, because I I still think they should be tearing up Auto Club Speedway. But if we're looking at the situation where okay, we don't have a place to race in Southern California for two years, but we still want to go there, okay, you've got two options: Kern County or Long Beach. Because you're not, you we're not th- this whole idea of making the clash a points race is just insane. It's insane. It's stupid. It's not going to work. It shouldn't work. If they even think about it, if they even contemplate it working. NASCAR's got a lot bigger problems on its plate because that's not even something that needs to be. I mean, seriously, if if the Chicago street race is a success and we've proven that this next gen car can handle street courses, then it, you'd be stupid not to go to Long Beach because it would basically be during the exact same time that you would be out west anyway. Um, at least uh, around then, April, well, early not, April. Well, no, they're not out west then. Well, okay, not necessarily out west. You you could. It's not I like think, they haven't I, I, run I, I, out I west that. in early April before. They've done it before. They've, they yeah, they've done it before. But if they want to do a west coast swing, I don't. Th- I think the west coast swing is either going to be just Phoenix and Vegas, or it's going to be Phoenix and Vegas and another road course in California that will move from June don't to March. Don't say that. Wait, wait. Actually, do say that. Are you telling me we could get? Green Sonoma. I mean, that's to me that's the best option because then you go. I would do it like uh, I would do Phoenix, Vegas, Sonoma, Coda. I would hit the. I would hit back to back road courses. Or go to Coda second. Go to set. Go to second. All race. of this just to go to Long Beach? Huh? All of this just to go to Long Beach in April? In April? Because it, look, they can't. You're not going to have them set up a, a Long Beach twice. You're I, not. Mean, I wasn't saying that. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I mean, do you need... And, and IndyCar doesn't want to move that date because, as you said, I mean, the only reason they should move the Long Beach date is if they're going to make it the season finale. They're not gonna move. I, I, I'm not saying any... I'm not talking about any Long Beach I know. I, date. I'm, just saying, I'm just saying because you can't... You're not going to move the Long Beach date from where it's at. So if you want to have a West Coast swing and kind of maintain when you get back to the Southeast, you got to either... You got to find another track out West... To satisfy that, I mean, and no, I'm only- not disagreeing with that. And, and and if that's the case, if they don't want to, if they want to keep the West Coast swing the way it is, and they don't want to have to do deal with the scheduling stuff, that it's just easier to go to Kern County. But again, that still requires money. Yes. So you have to yeah. ask yourself, okay, you got to if if you if you go to Kern County, you got to put up the money. Someone's got to put up the money to renovate the place to get it ready to host the Cup race, yeah. or or. You take the existing infrastructure from that's that's there in Long Beach, and you do that. I mean, you, uh, what? I mean, realistically, outside of that Sonoma idea you had, what other options do they have? I think the Sonoma idea can still work with Long Beach idea. 
I mean, you're yes, probably. But like I said, what other options do they have if they want to keep this, the the West Coast swing? They I mean, don't have any other options because yeah. they're not going to race at Irwindale. They're not going to create another. They're going to have Long Beach. You're not going to have people wanting the the whatever road that is in Long Beach backed up in early right. March. No, you're not going to move the Grand Prix date. You're not moving any dates. So it seems like logistically, the only thing that makes sense is putting up the money to do Kern County or working with the existing structure infrastructure that you already have during the long beach grand prix weekend that's already there that would be set up it's just that it would be two months after when you really wanted to go out there yeah yeah it's it's i think nascar is just they've they've put themselves into a box trying to do this now they got to figure out all the logistic problems that they're having now because they decided that they wanted to make auto club into a short track and now what'll be funny to me is if they do decide we're going to they're going to go to Kern County watch the racing at Kern County be just as fine and everybody realized we didn't need to do this we just needed to you know fix up the infrastructure of Kern County and we could have had this all together all along but, yeah, yeah yeah exactly i mean it it's it's a me- it, it, it's exactly why i said earlier they don't need to be changing it and the vocal the vocal crowd that it seems to be agreeing with, with, with that, that they don't need to be changing it. Just leave it alone. Leave it as is. I mean, they already took out grandstands, which bums me the heck out, but yeah, just leave it alone. Leave it alone, please. Um, all right. Next question here. Toyota president Dave Wilson says he wants to add teams to the cup series in 2024. Do you upshift or downshift that Toyota will add teams next year? I, I downshift I think the only way they add a team is if and we talked about this a little bit before the show Rob actually because kind of off you know we're talking about podcast um I think the only way they add a team is if Denny Hamlin leaves Joe Gibbs Racing and drives for and drives for his own team when they acquire a, a third charter um I think that's the only way they add another full-time team I I don't know who they'd snag away a charter from to create a team. So I, I, I really don't, or, or to switch manufacturers. I really don't know who they do that with. Rick Ware seems happy with Ford. They've aligned with RFK. LeFast just switched to Chevrolet. Colleague. I don't see colleague leaving Chevrolet. I don't see Trackhouse leaving Chevrolet. I don't see RCR leaving Chevrolet. I don't see Ford or Penske leaving Ford. I don't see Stuart Haas. Stuart Haas racing is more likely to go to Dodge than Toyota, I think. Um, I just don't see where these teams come from unless they're expanding 2311 after purchasing charters. Oh, um, I think David Wilson's next thing is, hey, we need four more charters on the calendar and we need to expand it back to 43 teams. How do we do that, NASCAR? That's the only way I think they realistically had teams. So, uh, aside from Denny, by driving for his own team. So, I downshift. Sorry, David. I think the only team that he's talking about probably adding is one for 2311. And I think it's going to be a third car for Kurt Busch. I think that's realistically what it is. I mean, when you're talking about expanding, that's how else are you going to do that? They've got this third car already going. They've, like I said earlier in the show, they've got this third car up and ready. They started this third car and team with Travis Pastrana. Nobody expects Pastrana to really do anything. It's just an R and D car out there and it's getting ready for when Kurt's ready to come back. And as once Kurt's ready to come back, he's going to be go right back at a full time drive. And I don't care what anybody says. I mean, what Kurt was saying in the broadcast over the weekend at the Clash made me think like he has no intention of hanging up his helmet 
anytime soon. I mean, this is all he's got going for him is his racing. He's still at the top of his game. He was still running winning races last year. Yeah. Why would he? I mean, it, he's not going to go out unless it's on his own terms. Yeah. You know, Kurt's not going to go out on his own terms. So if he's going to, so they're going to get ready for, to run a third car anyway. If Kurt comes back, he runs one full season, then calls it quits. He runs two seasons, then calls it quits. I don't know. Point is, it, I think 2311 wants to go to the third car. It yeah. seems like that's the way things are going. I would like to believe that more cars are coming, which is why I think, you know, I think track house is probably the next to expand. They've already got, I mean, when you see these, these new teams starting these, these R and D cars, these third R and D cars running with just people who could provide funding, you know, I mean, this is them saying we would love to start a new team, but Hey man, we don't, there's no, not enough charters. There's no charters available. We're getting ready now within the next couple of years to start maybe seeing a, a renegotiation on the charter deal. I think, especially with, I think a lot of the new teams that are coming in, because they've, they've only been able to acquire, like, look, 2311's only got two charters. The fact, and it took them, it, it was hard enough for them to get the one. Then it was hard enough for them to get the two. Trackhouse came in. It was hard enough for them to get the one. They got the one. They had to buy the whole, a whole other team to get the second one. Oh, they leased you know? one, and then they bought Ganassi, giving them two. Right. You know, it's, it's, it, let's not act like they don't want to expand. It's just that no. where, how are they going to do that? You you can't, you can't financially expand in the current market of NASCAR without ha acquiring a charter to do so. It's not like the days of old where you could, as long as you had a sponsor and a driver, you could just start up a new car and have fun and go with it. You know, if you had less than four cars, you know, so those days are over. But I, I'm not to say I, – I think that Dave Dave Wilson, what he's saying here is he wants 2311 to expand. And I think 2311 will inevitably expand. I think Kurt Busch will probably come back and run a final season um, with a chartered entry with 2311. I Again, I don't have any proof to that. I'm speculating. I'm only going based upon what I've read, what I've seen, how I've interpreted Kurt's actions again he's never said the word retirement he keeps saying he wants to get back out there he's always at the racetrack he's it's not like he's at home you know doing nothing i mean he's constantly at the racetrack he's not out golfing and and doing retirement stuff with michael jordan i mean he's still involved i i, I see nothing nothing currently points me to think that kurt's going to retire so that's why i think the most logical thing of toyota wanting more cars is they're just going to open, get a third charter for 2311, and these teams are going to have to start asking for more charters. And when that happens, then that's when Toyota can finally go in and say, okay, hey, we'll throw, you've got these charters. Okay, we'll throw money at you if you switch to Toyota, you know? And that might be what's what's on the horizon. I don't know. I honestly don't know right now. <laughs> we'll just have to see. Um, but but I to, to go around about it, I, I'm I'm upshifting. I think that it, it's something that could happen. Do I think the teams is plural? No, I think it's probably going to be is going to add a a team. But I, I regardless of that, I still think yes. There's more teams are coming. Um, next question here: Formula One should have added a double header at Melbourne to replace the Chinese Grand Prix. Do you upshift or downshift? One hundred percent upshift. Why would you not want to have two races in Australia? Two weeks of partying in Melbourne? <laughs> what are you? What? This is a missed opportunity. 
Um, you know, I, uh, we weren't in, we, we, we got to Australia in 2020 and they canceled the race in 2021 was eventually postponed and then eventually canceled. Um, so we didn't go racing there, you know, until last year when they returned, um, you know, the, uh, the Australian fans are, are, are strong. They love their racing. They love F1. I don't know why we're not beginning or ending the season in Australia instead of it being the third race of the season. Uh, it's a, it is a great place, a great atmosphere to be. I think they should have added a double header, 100%. Um, kind of disappointed that's not happening. I'm not sure how you make it different other than run the old circuit if that's possible. I don't think they can run the. I don't think the course is designed to run backwards. No, so it, it would be it would be two weakisms of the same racing. But hey, you you don't know how a race is going to play out until it's played out. So you could have Ferrari dominate, and for the next one, Red Bull comes back and gets and finds something, and oh, but they crash out, and Ferrari has bad pit stops, and Mercedes wins the race. You know, you don't know how it's going to play out. So two races at the same track in Melbourne, I would have been okay with that, one hundred percent. We've already done it before, in Austria. They ran the same course twice over the Red Bull ring. So it's not out of the question that they have done it before, even though it was a little more um, desperate times to get races in, uh, to get as many races in as possible. But, uh, you know, yeah, missed opportunity. 100% up ship. Ship had a doubleheader at Melbourne. You know what? This is going to sound a bit odd. But uh, you're not gonna downshift, are you? Yeah, I'm gonna downshift. I don't know <sighs> if it's necessary. I don't. I don't know. I don't know that it's necessary. I'm sorry. I think the Formula One calendar is already overcrowded. It's it's over. You're right. It's overcrowded. But if you wanted to hit 23 races, this was your way to do it. True. Yes. If they if 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 they had to reach 23 races, yes, that's probably what they should have done. But I think. If we're just, just the, 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 I, I don't think F1 is at a point now where they can afford to just continuously to, to continuously replace canceled races. I think the, the schedule is at a point where it is where I feel like trying to come up with a concept to replace a canceled race at the last minute is just like I said, I think I've said this before on this podcast. It it was it was plausible and it was easier to do during COVID because you didn't have to worry about fans. You didn't really have to worry about infrastructures for mass groups of people. Now you do. You know, if you're going to hastily replace an event, it's not going but to be they, they didn't really have to hastily replace it. It was canceled in December. I understand that. I would have turned and said, okay, Australia. Realistically, I agree. They couldn't say, well, we're going to go to Turkey. Right. You know, right. The, the, the calendar is crappy the way it is because of stupid customs checks and whatnot. And that was even before COVID. Mm-hmm. So you're already there. Does it really take three weeks to get into Azerbaijan? You know, I, is it yeah. that bad? To get it, you were already going to be there. The Chinese Grand Prix was already going to take place before that. So you knew it was going to be okay. Was it going to be that difficult to get it from Australia to uh, into Azerbaijan? I'm just saying. That, again, this was your only option. The other, only other option was to have two races at Azerbaijan, which I don't think I like as much because it's not as... I don't want to be there for two weeks. I'd rather be yeah. there for two weeks. So... 
I mean, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's it's uh, fine. It's it's just it's a tough question because I I feel very strongly that the F one calendar has gotten too big for its britches lately. I think it's. I mean, yes, there's a lot of tracks that I want them to race at. Yes, don't get me wrong, but it just seems overwhelming lately yeah, to is. the point where it's. I I'm not upset if they cancel and don't replace a race. If that makes sense. Fair enough. Um. Next question here. Ferrari's Frederick Vasseur says the team will not have a number one driver in 2023. Do you upshift or downshift that this will remain true throughout the season? Downshift. Downshift. One of these drivers is going to come out on top in the first five to six races. And their focus will shift to that driver. Whether it's Sainz or Leclerc, they will shift their focus to that driver. The theory of not having a number one driver, I think only works when both drivers are finishing one and two consistently and it's back and forth, which Ferrari will not be doing. So, no, this will not, I, I, I downshift that this will remain true throughout the full season and Ferrari's not a team to, to to say this. It's not in their culture. It's not in their makeup. I mean, even last year they pushed for Leclerc to be number one, but Signs kept saying, "Nope, I'm better." So, no, I think he's blowing smoke up everyone's skirt on this one. You know, my opinion of this, honestly, <laughs> is uh, is that it's a hunk of crap. Um, Ferrari's always going to have a number one driver. It's Ferrari. It is. It's Ferrari is who they are. They've had a number one driver forever. They always will. They always have. Um, and quite honestly, it's whoever their favorite uh, flavor of the month is, and it's Charles Leclerc. So, sorry, signs, but uh, no matter what you do, I'm pretty sure Leclerc is going to be the number one driver, regardless. That's just my opinion. That's just how I've seen it been. Um, I. I don't have anything telling me that that's not going to be the case this year. I'd be surprised if it was, if, if Sainz suddenly has some incredible season. Um, but no, I mean, come on. I know, we know Ferrari. We know what they're about. We know what they do. This, they'll have a number one driver at some point. So. It'll probably be, probably be Leclerc. Um, next final question here. Uh, NASCAR has outlawed the move that Ross Chastain performed at Martinsville Speedway last October, otherwise known as the Hail Melon. How do you feel about this uh, decision by Josh? By, by, excuse me, not by Josh. The, you didn't have anything to do with that decision. How do you feel about this decision by NASCAR? Josh, do you upshift or downshift? Well, uh, first of all, I can confirm I'm not a f- part of the fan council. No. <laughs> this is bullcrap. Oh. Why? Okay. So, first off, if you didn't get that by yelling and me blowing your eardrums, that I'm sure you will, you will bill me for your hearing aid that you now require. Um, downshift. I, 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 I don't think I've ever seen a move by NASCAR where they've already shot themselves in the foot without pulling the trigger. Watch, watch Darlington in May. The winner is going to have a five second lead over second. They're going to lose it in the corner in three and four, and they're going to ride the wall all the way around, and they're going to kind of come off the corner about three seconds ahead. And NASCAR's going to have to make a call. 
Was that legal? Was that a legal move based off of what they have outlined here? Because it's a, such a great area. What, 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 yes, what Ross did was intentional. It was ballsy. Probably wouldn't work again nine out of ten times. I'd even go to bold to say 98 out of 100 times. But when someone who's at Darlington is going to have a five-second lead, they're going to get loose, and they're going to gas it all the way around the corner, and they're going to ha- NASCAR is going to have a mic, several mics in their face asking, why did you allow this driver to win? Or why did you take that win away from the driver? Give them a time penalty, and, which took away the win. They're going to have to answer to that. And guess what? They're going to, it's a lose-lose situation for them. So, again, I don't think I've ever seen, I don't think I've seen a sporting sanctioning body shoot themselves in the foot before pulling the trigger. This is what they've done. What happens at Daytona or Talladega when they've got people pushing and drafting, and all of a sudden they go ride the wall because they have no other option but to stay in the gas? What are they going to do? What about Kansas? You ride around the wall there. What about Tyler Reddick rim riding it? What are they gonna do? This this is this is just asinine. I don't understand when I saw this. I'm sitting in my office at work and I'm reading through the list of the changes. You talked about the road course one earlier. Great move. I the the tire change penalty, I'm like, ah. I like the way it was. It's a huge safety concern. You should get the tire on every time. I don't care. If you're on pit road, that's fine. But if you lose your pit tire, you got to penalize people. You got to. Um, either by fine or a big suspension. I can't remember what the other rule change was at this time. But I'm like, okay. But when I swear this, I was like, are you serious? I, I... It's not that I think the move should be seen every week. It's the consequences at other tracks that they're not thinking about. Or if they are, they're not thinking it clearly. And they don't have, what's his face, Scott Miller to go on there and just ramble on and say nothing for five minutes. Because that's what he did several times this year. They stuck him in front of a camera and he spoke without saying anything. They're not going to have him anymore. I I I I'm, I I sound I'm going to say I'm speechless, but and I, and I've just spoken for however many minutes this is. But I'm really speechless on this move because it's just so short sighted, and it's an overreaction. And if you were to ask most drivers on the, I you know what they should have done, Rob? What should they have done? They should have had Ross go out there. With then say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna track house, we're gonna give you money for 10 cars. Go build 10 cars, or we'll build 10 cars for you, and we're gonna put Ross in the car, we're gonna have him repeat this. How many times is he is he successful at that? How many times does it work? And if they said it I would I would have a better I would have more respect for the rule change if they said, guess what? It worked nine out of ten times. But I guarantee you that's not gonna be the case. Something happens, something breaks. I think he was one. It was a bold move that turned out to be one of the luckiest moves in the history of auto racing. I don't think it happened again nine out of ten times. So sorry, big rant there. I am passionate. This is probably one of the, this is probably one of my more aggravate. You talk about having a great rule change such as taking away the stage stage break cautions from road courses to this. It's like it's like 
going to shake someone's hand, telling them thank you, and giving them a 10,000 volt shock when you do it. I'm sorry. Rob, Rob what, what, what's your take on it? Um, all right. Well, <laughs> my take on it is probably not as, uh, it's passionate definitely not, not as passionate as yours. Um, I think back, back when we were talking about this, uh, way back when, uh, my initial reaction personally was that I didn't think they were going to ban it because I felt like it was going to be a self-policing rule anyway. Um, I felt like if you were able to, to capitalize on it, it would still destroy your race car. So it could only be used in desperation modes. I understand, but I understand why they banned it. I understand why they did all of this. I just don't. I don't, I just feel like it was self-policing. What, what Chastain did was, it's once in a life, it's not going to happen again. I don't care what Kyle Larson was saying where he's like, oh, I just ran the wall at Darlington. Oh, I set a bad example. No, you didn't. People have been riding the freaking wall at Darlington for years. My point, Exactly. Like you didn't, you didn't. What, what what Chastain did first of all it was a miracle he didn't catch the the crossover gate, which a lot of people have mentioned. Um, so that that's a safety thing, right then and there. I think this should have been a judgment call by NASCAR anyway. Um, I think I don't think it should have been a situation where they made a rule where they just straight up banned it um, the way they did. I think it should have been more of a situation, a judgment call, where you know if it was a situation where. A driver's safety or someone else's safety, competitors or fans, a, 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 a marshal, whatever, somebody's safety was at risk, then yeah, okay, that's grounds for a penalty. But I think if it's a situation like what we saw with Chastain or even what we've seen with Larson, cars are destroyed. Okay, any advantage they get from it was done in a last-minute desperation move. And if we're being honest with ourselves here, would you rather have them ride the wall like that or just go full-on Brian Vickers and just mow down everybody in their path, you know? You just not care and just wreck everybody and just move everybody and bump everybody. Not even, like, like, I mean, that's what you're asking for. I mean, you have these, what would you rather see? Personally, I'd rather see someone just haul the wall um, instead of seeing someone just move everybody out of the way. I mean, if it's Bristol or, if, you know, it's it's this clash yeah, okay, Move, moving people out of the way is a thing. But this hole-in-the-wall stuff, okay, let's... It's only going to be done in desperation. It's only going to be done when there's no other opportunity left. And even then, how often is that going to be? How often are those situations going to present themselves? How many tracks can it realistically work at? Martinsville and Darlington. And I would almost argue probably only Martinsville because Darlington, you can only ride that wall so long and the person on the bottom is going to get you because you're, they're going to be going at relatively same speed. Where at Martinsville, you're backing down so much on the brake and he's going so fast along the wall. It's, it, it, it's a simple kind of physics. And I don't think it would work even at Darlington. It would be it's it's it would be insane to work at Darlington. You're carrying way more, so much more speed at Darlington. And, and it's and when you think distance. about it from the physics standpoint of it, your your uh your coefficient of resistance is going to be a hell of a lot higher. Uh, yeah. when you're talking about that, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get into like the math and physics and stuff, but I mean, really, really, if you think about it like that, you're going so much faster at 
Darlington and you are at Martinsville, the resistance coefficient is going to be a lot higher at Darlington than it would be at Martinsville. So it is going to be a lot harder to make it work at Darlington. You might make it work for maybe about half of the corner, but at some point you're going to have to get off the wall in order to continue to carry the momentum. Like you can't hang the wall at Darlington and continue to carry the momentum down down the straightaway like you might have been able at Martinsville. I mean, you're going to lose momentum as soon as as soon as the the wall straightens out and you get off that wall and you're going to be about 20 mile an hour slower than you would have been had yeah. you had you stayed off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Josh, that was a lot. Holy cow. Let's talk into the weekend the off-season wrap up. It's not even a weekend wrap up. It's the off-season wrap up. Uh wrapping up the races that have happened since the New Year's special. So we'll start with the Chili Bowl. If you watch the Chili Bowl, which feels like again forever ago, uh, it was a good old chili bowl, except, of course, it went way too long. Um, as everybody says, uh, the star power has been lacking. The um, the purse is, is pretty low. Uh, the, the, it, there's a lot of problems with the chili bowl, but that doesn't mean that it's it was a bad race. It was still a fun race. It was still an enjoyable race. I still love watching the chili bowl. I just, I just wish they could get a couple of things worked out. It's really, really – I will be straight with you. The, my number one issue with dirt track racing – and a lot of people have agreed with this on Twitter, and I've said this for a long time, is how long it takes to get things going. You know, we talk about the clash this weekend. The clash felt like it took forever, but the fact of the matter is you were only doing maybe one or two laps under caution. On a dirt race, they do like five laps. They waste like five laps under caution, maybe even more than that, and those those laps don't count. So those heat races could last you know, anywhere from five to 25 minutes. Uh, and and you're, you're sitting there in the grandstands, like, come on, let's go. And then once they go off, then they got to prep the track and it takes them 30 minutes to prep the track again. It just, it's annoying. And the Chili Bulls experiencing the same thing. And there's a lot of people who are just sick of it. There's a lot of people out there who are just sick and tired of it. And especially when you lose the star power, you don't have Christopher Bell, you don't have Kyle Larson, you don't have people in there that have typically you know, sold a lot of close subscriptions, sold a lot of tickets to the stands. I mean, you're you're losing a lot of interest there. Um, I loved last year because Casey Kane was in the in the Chili Bowl. I loved it. I loved getting to watch Casey Kane. He wasn't in the Chili Bowl this year because it wasn't worth his time. Of course, he was his wife wife fiance was going into labor, but was having a baby, so it was probably another reason why he wasn't there. But you, you got to do better. You got to do better than that. Uh, the the Chili Bowl's got to got a lot of things to work on if they want to keep this thing around for for a long time in the future because at, at this current rate i can't see it lasting another 10 years i think it's 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 gonna be rough it's gonna be rough especially if you keep seeing big names drop out and say it's not worth their time or kyle larson was all in on this this dirt late model race that he was running at the same time and basically he just completely took a dump on the chili bowl saying it was, you know, that this, this late model race was better, it paid better or, or something. And I'm like, damn, you know, yeah. they got, they got a lot. You of got this. 300 cars. It's an expensive race because it's going to take you a while to get to the main event. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. But they got, they have to, they have to find a way to speed the, speed the whole program up because there's a, there's just too much downtime. And even as a, as someone watching on TV, I mean, there's only so much the flow people can do to fill time. Yeah. There's only so many people that they can interview. I mean, I feel bad for them because watching the flow, the flow broadcast is so good, but I feel bad because in between the freaking heat races, it's like a rain delay coverage. 
I mean, really, it is. There's nothing going on. They're just wandering around the pits and the garages and trying to find someone to talk to. Um, and then just, you know, the, the announcers are just vamping while the while the camera pans to nothing or is just like some kind of random fan cam or something. And this isn't on flow. I mean, I'm not mad about flow for that. I think it's on the, ch- the chili bowl for not speeding things up and making flow like have to vamp and kill so much time. You know, it's not it's not fair to them. I mean, it should be like, all right, let's pick it up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. OK, heat race is over. All right, let's get the next group of cars on here. All right, that heat race is over. Let's get the next group of cars on. It's like, no, you got to wait like 10, 15 minutes in between. Then you got to push start everybody. It's like a whole ordeal just to start the next freaking heat race. It's 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 getting annoying. And and again, I love the Chili Bowl. I love to watch Chili Bowl. I love to watch dirt car racing. I love to watch sprint car racing. I love to watch midget car racing. I love that. But there's a lot of things that got to change if they want this thing to appeal to a mainstream audience. Because right now, there's nothing more niche in the world than sprint car and dirt car racing and, and midget car racing. There's nothing more niche than that. I mean, quite honestly, it it appeals to a very select group of people. And trying to get other people interested in it is hard enough because this select group of people is already gatekeeping it anyway by booing anybody there that's a NASCAR or IndyCar driver to begin with. They're already doing that. I mean... Believe me, Kyle Larson is the big draw, but you go out to the BC39, you go out to any of these other uh, midget races that Kyle Larson's running, sprint car races, they're booing him. They're booing him because they think that he betrayed them or whatever. And it's like, no, this is exactly why your sport doesn't grow outside of little small races, tick towns. Like, you want the sport to grow. I want the sport to grow, but you're not. it's not going to grow if if we're gatekeeping like that, if, uh, if you're the main events are literally going until 1 a.m. You know, think about taking your kid out there. Think about if you've got a kid, you want to take your kid out to the dirt track races. It's Friday night. You, how do you tell them, hey, son, it's getting past your bedtime. We have to leave. Sorry, you won't get to actually see the A main or let alone the freaking C main because we're still running the heat races at, you know, 930 at night. Well, a lot of that, unfortunately, comes to because you, it's easier to run dirt races at night because of the dust and sun. I'm, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm yeah. saying if you're going to start your show at 6, 7 o'clock, you should have the darn thing wrapped up by 10 or 11. I mean, it, 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 it should not, you should not be running your A main past midnight. I mean, I'm sorry, but if you have to throw the green on your A main anytime past midnight, you've already gone too far. You've already taken too long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's it's, what the Philly that, Bulls been doing the last several years is starting their aiming past midnight local time. So well, we're talking about midnight local time. That's one a.m. Eastern time. That's one a.m. for you and me, Josh. Yeah, they they need to rework how they how many cars have to run a heat race, and they they yeah they they have to me they need a program reshuffle. So there's got to be a point where like. You, you qualify, and you're like, okay, I'm in, I qualified this position. I don't race until I have to in whatever letter main that is. I'm not going to run a heat race. And let's say the top 12 run a heat race to determine, like, the top runners in the, in the, in the, in the main event. But everyone else, like, let's say you qualify 13th. You don't, ha- you don't have to race. You don't have to race until the B main. You are done until the B main. It's, it's like, you... But that should almost be a reward to you. Of course, you won't have as much track time. Maybe you get some practice, but you won't have as much racing track time. But 
I think it's kind of that's that's the only solution. Other than that, like okay, we're only gonna first hundred and fifty people to sign up. That's your other option, which they won't do. Yeah, or the top of the comment. No, we're going off track there, but that that that's all that it is a problem. You're one hundred percent right. Star power and track time management. I didn't mean to rant and complain that much about the chili bowl because I feel like I'm kind of beating a dead horse. A lot of the things that I've said have already been said by a lot of other people, but it is serious. I love the chili bowl. I love that event. I I absolutely love that event, and I would hate to see something happen to it. I would hate to see it go away. And I'm really worried at this point that if it can't find a way to streamline these events, if it can't find a way to reattract that big talent and bring, you know, the big purses that people are expecting, I I just I don't know how much longer it has, unfortunately. And and this is one of the biggest events in all of of all of midget racing, and I don't want to see it go away. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next couple of races, we've had form two Formula E races since the New Year's special. Which is the wild. Um, Mexico City E Prix was won by Jake Dennis, and then we had uh, two other races in Adiria that were both won by Pascal Wehrlein. Uh Couldn't believe he swept the weekend. That might be that. That's one of the first times someone's ever swept the weekend in Formula E. Uh, it does not happen very often. Usually in Formula E, everybody is super, super inconsistent. Have you ever actually looked at like a Formula E rundown? Like everybody is super inconsistent. Like the champions have like four DNFs and yes. like one or two race wins every year, but manage to win the championship because everybody else has more DNFs or something yes. or doesn't score as many points. It is wild. Um, it's very interesting. So, but I would, I think winning two races back to back, that's pretty, that's, that's got to bode pretty well for Pascal Verlein, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. got to get him vaulting pretty pretty healthy. That's got to give him a pretty healthy lead in the points, I would think. Uh, we also had the 24 Hours of Daytona, the Rolex 24, a fantastic Rolex 24. Um, Josh, I know you said your piece about sports car racing. I love sports car racing. I love this new era of sports car racing that we're in with the LMDH category which is the gtp category for imsa uh i absolutely love where the sports car racing is i thought it was great i thought it was so much fun to watch this season um obviously the peacock broadcast still was weird having it be broken up between four separate parts i never understand that i don't get that idea again and this is not to say there's also another thing i like that's probably for more so for download speeds I, I'm sure you're going back and rewatching it, kind of thing. I like Peacock again because you know I've been I've been using Peacock to watch all of my SVU reruns, Law and Order SVU. Um, you know, and and I like Peacock for that reason. But there's there's things that they got to get better on. I mean, I'm sorry. the the other, The other thing I wanted to say, and this is not racing related, but I'm really frustrated with some of these streaming services, especially ones that stream sports, not having the ability to do uh picture in picture or multi-screen or anything like that. I feel like it's 2023. I, I I don't know how hard that is to get, but I recall there being a time in the very turn of the 2010s on ESPN3 where I could have a mosaic view going. Where I could watch two events at the same time. And I recall specifically using the mosaic view to watch an American Lamar series race and a Canadian football game. At the same time, in, in, in summer, on ESPN3 at the turn of the 2010s. This might have been 2012, 2013. Um, now, why can't Peacock do this? Again, 
So the Royal Rumble for wrestling, the WWE Royal Rumble is on. I like that, okay? I don't care, you know, it, it's scripted, whatever, I don't care. I think it's kind of cool to see the Royal Rumble. You know, everybody comes in, and it's always funny to see the countdown, see who's going to come in. I like that, okay? I enjoy watching the Royal Rumble. I want to watch the Rolex, too. Why is there not a picture-in-picture? Picture? Gosh darn it. Why does Peacock, why Why was I not allowed to do that on Peacock? Why can I not have the Rolex on one picture and then the the Royal Rumble on another? You know, I at the very least, you know, I'm... How do you, I mean, I'm I'm sure soccer fans encounter this problem when there's probably two Premier Premier League games going on at the same time, yeah. right? They want to watch the two of them. They got to pull one up on their phone and one up on their TV. It's just that's annoying. It's a hassle, you know. I felt like we had this solved, and now apparently it's a problem with with bandwidth and bit rates and stuff. And I'm like, but I I remember doing it ten years ago on ESPN three. I remember doing it. You can't tell me that technology got worse in that time. Technology um, got better and therefore made it more difficult. Maybe, maybe that that's, that that in ad sales. Maybe that's what happened. I, I. I just remember, you know, with streaming, that was a thing that you could do. And I remember it be it was so cool because I was watching a Canadian football game at the same time I was watching an American Le Mans race and the sport a sports car race. And why can't I do that now? I still want to watch my sports car races, but if there's something else on, I want to watch that. But I I I I decided I was gonna watch the Rolex instead, and so I I watched the Royal Rumble on a tape delay. Even though I didn't want to, I want to just watch the Peacock replay. Even though I didn't want to do that. Um, but in the 24 Hours of Daytona, the overall and GTP winner was Meyer Shank Racing, uh, featuring the team of Tom Blomquist, Colin Brown, Elio Castroneves, and Simon Pagano. Elio Castroneves became the first driver in Rolex history to win three Rolex 24 in a row, and uh, I love to see Colin Brown get an overall win. Because yep. Colin Brown has been racing basically his entire uh, career that he's been in sports cars, basically in the LMP2 category or the prototype challenge category, or basically doing the prototype categories that are not going to win overall. Um, so it's good. I'm very happy to see. I, that couldn't have happened to a better guy. Uh, Josh, I know you you remember the uh, old Conway Freight uh, paint schemes quite well, as as do I. Um, so it's good to see old Colin Brown get a get a good win there, and of course Elio again still becoming a legend. The man has no peak; he has no ceiling. Clearly, uh, I mean he's two years removed from a, his fourth Indy 500, and now he's got three in a row Rolex 24s. I mean, he's not slowing down. You would not believe that this dude is almost 50. You would not. That wouldn't even enter your head. Uh, it went when he said like he's that. 30, man. Still acts like he's 30. Oh, he does. He does. Um, in LMP2, we had an incredible. Did you see this finish in LMP2? Josh? That was a great was... finish. I mean, like I said, I, was, I watched like the last two hours, yeah, of it, and um, that that finish came down to the wire. Absolutely, drafting, dra- using using a, a, a slower car as a pick. Yes. I mean. I mean, we're talking about you got to do everything. You got to you got to do some NASCAR style drafting in order to win this thing. And proton competition of James Allen, Gianmara Bruni, Francesco Pizzi, and Fred Cordad were the victors in LMP2. Um, that was they beat Ben Hanley, 
and Ben Hanley was was driving the other car there. I couldn't remember the other drivers on his team, but I know that beat Ben Hanley. And LMP3. God. LMP3. What a mess. What did they win? Like by, by 10 laps? 13 laps, I 13 think. Laps. <laughs> I think it was 13 laps that LMP3. AWA, Wayne Boyd, Andy, Anthony, Mantella, Thomas Merrill, and Nicholas Varone were the victors. Now, didn't they come back from like 12 laps down too? Yeah, I don't think, I, I, I'm surprised anybody was paying attention to LMP3. I don't think anyone <laughs> I don't think anybody was paying attention to LMP3. <laughs> I don't think I heard LMP3 said once in the last two and a half hours. <laughs> There's four other categories that had way way closer yeah. battles for the lead <laughs> yeah Johnson Bell's like four of these four of these uh, uh categories have great fit racing going on right now and he just just <laughs> kind of scooted over lmp3 and the lmp3 battle is oh the margin of 13 laps oh well oh. They, they come to a point like there's 10 lap there's 10 minutes left in the race oh by the way this team's got it locked up <laughs> they could <laughs> pull know? off the track now and still they win. <laughs> let's just park it like, they should have gone to victory line and started celebrating Woohoo! Hey, who who uh, pop the champagne? Woo! Pop the champagne down in the pit already. Uh, in GTD, it was Heart of Racing Team: Roman DeAngelis, De Ian James, Marco Sorensen, and Darren Turner. And in GTD Pro, WeatherTech Racing: Mario Engel, Jules uh, Guillon, Daniel Juncadella, and Cooper McNeil. Now it's interesting that you talk about that GTD Pro lineup because in the Bathurst 12 Hour that was also this weekend, which was might I add, also fantastic. Um, WeatherTech, or excuse me, Sun Energy won a team uh, featuring Kenny Habul, Jules Gunan, and Lucas Stoltz was the victor. That was a race that, again, also came down to the wire. Not necessarily as close of a finish, maybe, as LMP2, but it did get pretty crazy in the last half hour of the race. 12 hours of racing up and down the mountain. I love the Bathurst 12-hour because I will never get over the, the way that race starts. I just, I cannot get over the way the race starts. Um, Going green with the sun rising in the background over the mountain is just picturesque. One of your favorite words, Josh. Um, my favorite word, yes. It, it's it's quite possibly one of the most beautiful races on the planet. Is is the Bathurst twelve hour and winning on the mountain is huge. It's it's so much fun and watching a lot of those cars. I mean, those GT cars are are flat flying up and down that mountain. They're not as fast. They're a couple of seconds slower than the the supercars, but. Man, they're they're still fast up and around there. It's fun to watch. I love it. Uh, and finally, in uh, the wrapping up the uh, wrap up of the weekend of the off season races, we had the Bushlight Clash Coliseum, which was won by Martin Truex Jr., who then I don't know if you saw this after the race. Maybe you should check NASCAR Chasm's Twitter. I don't know if you saw this after the race, but uh, did you see Kyle Busch go up to Martin Truex and? Uh, Give him a nice little ball tap after the race. I did. Yeah, that was that was. I I could I started laughing. I couldn't. I saw that happen on the broadcast. I started losing my stuff. I could not. I could not stop laughing. Like that magic truck just walking, sitting there. Way. Whoa, hello. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wait, I've seen you see you seen the the clip of Tony Stewart grabbing grabbing Kevin Harvick's butt before, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he hadn't. <laughs> Sexual harassment between NASCAR drivers is not uncommon. <laughs> no, it's well. It's like, what would you do? What What would have happened if uh, old Tim Richmond did that to Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Senior? I mean, would there have been a fight? Probably, right? 
Well, let's ask Jeffrey Bodine and see what he knows about the infamous, yeah. uh, you know, the the By the way, there's a there's a restaurant down here in uh, uh, Troutman in uh, North Carolina where that poster is actually <laughs> hanging up, and it's like eye level with like a ten year old. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> And there's this, and there's this old lady just standing around eating their, eating their more sandwiches. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Oh my god! <laughs> you guys know what we're talking about. You're lucky, but if you if you don't, unfortunately, look it up. <laughs> Tim Richmond and the the Winston poster. You know exactly what we're talking about. If you're, if you've, you know the NASCAR iceberg. If you're pretty deep in that, you know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Josh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up before we uh, be turning to Bob and Tom and just laughing to the uh, microphone every all day. Uh, we're, you've got a featured season for us to kick off our fifth season. So you've had a lot of the the, the featured segment has gone through a, a lot of different. Uh, changes over the time, and now we're working on the featured season, which I really like this. I like where you're going with this. So why don't you go ahead and tell us all about uh, the little history lesson you've got prepared for us today, Josh, in your history lesson for Rollers featured season. Yeah, so doing something like you said, doing something a little different. Uh, a lot of this, to be honest, over time, these things can be time-consuming, not not just to put together, but also during the show. Um, so, And we like to talk. We like to talk. As I, I don't even know, Rob. I didn't turn on my clock. How? Where are we at on the show as far as time? We are. Uh, we just passed the two hour mark. So okay. So yeah, yeah. this is this is this. That's kind of where I thought we were. Um. So rollers feature season, uh, nineteen ninety six NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Uh, I did this one because this year in twenty thirteen we're returning to North Wilkesboro, and in nineteen ninety six it was the last time there was a Cup race at North Wilkesboro. So that was coincidentally just uh, just not coincidentally that was purposely chosen. So the season began on February 11th with the Bush Clash, not the Bush Light Clash, the Bush Clash at Daytona International Speedway, and concluded on November 24th at Suzuka in Japan. Uh, the big winners: the Clash was won by Dale Jarrett, the Daytona 500 was won by Dale Jarrett, the Coca-Cola 600 was won by Dale Jarrett, the Die Hard 500 was won by Jeff Gordon. The Brickyard 400 was won by Dale Jarrett, and the Southern 500 was won by Jeff Gordon. So, if you're looking at the big races this year, it was a it was a uh, Jarrett and Gordon show, uh, and 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 they were pretty close here too. Uh, 31 total races, uh, points races, including uh, as I mentioned, the two most most recent Wilkesboro Speedway races. Um, they were won by Terry Labonte in April, and then Jeff Gordon won the most recent points race, and will remain the most recent points race uh, in the September that year. Uh, Terry Labonte edged Gordon by 37 points, despite only having two wins to Gordon's 10. But Gordon was rather inconsistent, whereas Labonte was very consistent throughout the season. Uh, Dale Jarrett finished only 89 points. Similar story, not as consistent as Labonte, but and not as consistent as Gordon, uh, he finished third. Uh, so behind uh, them, when fourth place was Dale Earnhardt, he finished 330 points behind. So he was eliminated from the championship when they rolled into Atlanta that year. Uh, the remainder of the top ten was as follows, and a time uh, by uh, a time bygone. Mark Martin, Ricky Rudd, Rusty Wallace, Sterling Marlin, Bobby Hamilton, and Ernie Irvin. That was your top ten in points that year. Labonte's championship was the second. Was his second. 
in the first coming in 1984, and it remains the largest gap between NASCAR championships for a driver. Uh, like if Kurt would have won this year, uh, it, theoretically, well, for, for the past several seasons, if he would have won, it would have been it would have beat that. It would beat that uh, that goal that record. If Gordon would have won in 2015, it would have beat that record as well. Um, but the 1996 season ended with the NASCAR Thunder Suzuka Special at the Suzuka Circuit in Japan on November 24th. Now, again, not points, exhibition. About two weeks after the regular, the, the, the season had officially come to an end from a point standpoint, uh, it was the first NASCAR race contested in Japan. Uh, this Again, it was an exhibition race, it, but tragedy struck, unfortunately. Two days before the race took place, Elmo Langley died from a massive heart attack while attempting to familiarize himself with the circuit as he was going to be the pace car driver. Um, so unfortunately, that, that occurred. Uh, NASCAR utilized the East Circuit and ran 100 laps. Rusty Wallace won with Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, Terry Labonte, and Wally Dallenbach Jr. rounding out the top five. And completing the top ten was Johnny Benson, Bobby Hillen Jr., Mike Skinner, Rick Corelli, and Butch Gilliland. So that was uh, a snapshot, if there ever was one, of the 1996 NASCAR Winston Cup Series season. Well, Josh, that was pretty good. That was a good, good little time. I love uh, remembering the 96 season, mainly because when I was a kid, the first little NASCAR game I had was NASCAR Racing 2 that my dad set up for me. And uh, it had all of the 96 cars uh, on there. And I, so I'm, I'm very familiar with the 96 season for some reason. I used to research all of it because of NASCAR Racing 2. I don't know. I'm weird. Uh, but I really like listening about listening to that. It's always cool to hear about uh, the history, and especially these featured seasons. I'm really enjoying them, getting kind of a nice little throwback and remembering what times used to be like back in the day. Uh, let's look at uh, what's in the windshield here as we wrap up uh, Season 5, Episode 1 of Robin Roller. The Daytona 500 is in two weeks, along with races uh, for at Daytona for the Xfinity Series, the Craftsman Truck Series, and the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, we have a long, long time still for the IndyCar series. We literally have a month to wait for the IndyCar series as that begins on March 5th at St. Petersburg. And guess what also starts on March 5th? Ah, Formula One in Bahrain. Uh, we have uh, supercars getting ready in March 10th for, through 12th. It is the Newcastle from the Newcastle 500. I'm excited for that because I they are finally starting to drop the liveries, the paint schemes on the new Gen 3 cars. So if you haven't seen the new Gen 3 Ford Mustangs and Chevy Camaros that they're going to be running in supercars next year, I highly recommend taking a look because they look hot. They look badass. They look amazing. They look like real race cars, and I'm really excited uh, for that March 10th and 12th weekend when they get to Newcastle for the Newcastle 500. Uh, we have the next IMSA race is the 12 Hours of Sebring on March 18th uh, for IMSA. But hey, we've got a race this weekend, and that is Formula E, the Hyderabad E-Prix in India on the streets of Hyderabad uh, will be this weekend on February 11th. Not sure what the broadcasting setup is yet. CBS has still been very all over the place with that, but at least they've gone back to the world feed commentators. So it could be worse. Could be worse. But uh, anyway, that is our show for this week. I got a selfish um, plug real quick. Oh, that's right. Josh has a selfish plug. Josh has something really cool he's going to tell you all, and I think you're going to want to listen to this. Yeah, so uh, I got I'm, I, we, we're, it's kind of good we're not having a show next week because I'm going to be in Florida for the 
Winter Nationals for U.S. Legend Cars and NX. So, uh, you know, we're going to have a, all the... I think we're going to have about 200 cars there between Legend Cars and Bandoleros. But guess what? You should tune in to U.S. Legend Cars TV because Keelan Harvick and the debut of Brexton Bush in a Bandolero will also be there. So you might want to tune in to watch two potential future stars in NASCAR, maybe, and plus tons of others. There's, there's all the guys there. But, you know, for those of you who are huge Harvick fans and are like, man, I don't like to see Harvick leaving, and, you know, you just like cheering for a Bush driver, too, they're going to be there. So check it out. Well, plus, it's great, right. plus it's great racing, too. I mean, it's, it, I, it's great racing. It's gonna be Yeah, great. man. That's the that's that's good stuff. I like to watch the uh, Bandoleros uh, and the Legend cars down at the Speedrome whenever I get get the chance. I love watching those. Always good racing, no matter where they are. Always produce good racing. And uh, Josh, always cool to have you uh, be our kind of correspondent for that kind of stuff because that's your job. That's what you do. So uh, it's really neat to to know about that, especially knowing that Brexton Bush and Keelan Harvick are going to be racing. That's Right there, when those kids get to NASCAR, man, that's when that's when I'm finally going to be, well. That's when we'll be old. You know, you think Tanner Kane will race? Because when Tanner Kane starts to race, that's when I'm really going to get, that's when my revitalization for being a NASCAR fan is going to happen, I guarantee it. If that happens at all. I don't know. Is if he going to race? I don't know. Has he shown interest in it? How old is he? I don't know. Maybe. How, how old is Tanner? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. I was we'll a Casey Kane fan, but I don't stalk his family. Well, I didn't know. I mean, we, I, I, I didn't know you. You could give me a ballpark. I don't remember. I don't remember when he was born, but but yeah, okay, I, yeah, I know but, when Casey Kane was born. Huh? I know when Casey Kane was born. When was he born? He was born in 1980. Dang, I don't he, know the date. He's 42. Yeah. Get up. Dang. So he was 24 when he was a rookie. Yeah, man. I did not know he was that old. Yeah, he looked like he was eighteen. I mean, I, I knew he wasn't eighteen, but I thought he was more like twenty or twenty-one. No, no, he was, he was, he was pretty old. He was relatively old at the time. Wow, dang! You learn something new every day, I guess. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. I remember when it was crazy to me that I could believe that Joey Logano was born in nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, that blew me away. At least he looked it and was actually. 18. Yeah, that's true. And then remembering that I'm literally a year old and uh, I'm a month older than Chase Elliott. Yeah, you are. Wondering, Man, Chase has got a cup championship and what have I got with my life? <laughs> he's got an Xfinity championship too. He's got an Xfinity championship, a cup <laughs> championship. What have I done with my life? He's, got, he's a triple winner in NASCAR. <laughs> uh, and he's and I had a whole month's head start on him. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, right. I, huh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say we should go. Oh, I thought you were wrapping up. You were wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. Let's wrap up the show. Uh, thanks again for listening to us. Thanks again for being here for our fifth season. We really appreciate all of the support we've had throughout the several years that we've been doing this, and we're glad to be back doing it for another season. Uh, we hope that we'll be back uh, again when we come back uh, after the Daytona 500. We are going to take another break, another uh, week off, uh, as Josh takes care of some things, but there's only a Formula E race, so maybe I'll do a little truncated podcast. We'll see. Haven't decided on that yet. Review the TV broadcast. Yeah, I'll review the TV broadcast, see if the TV broadcast was good enough. Uh, the Super Bowl is also this weekend, so I'll probably be... I don't care. 
I don't care about who's in the Super Bowl. As long as the Eagles lose. Yeah, I, 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 I got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't care about either team. I, there's yeah. nothing pulling me into them. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I like Jalen Hurts, I guess, because I want him. I still, I still feel like he was robbed in the national championship game where he got benched for Tua. I, that still rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so I, I want him to have more success than Tua. I don't know why. So I, I want, I guess, I want Jalen Hurts to win. I guess I felt like he didn't do anything wrong to have that position, that opportunity taken from him. Fair enough. This isn't a football podcast. Um, all right. Well, before I get even further off the rails, uh, we will wrap things up. Thank you again, guys, again, so much for listening to us all these seasons and this season as well. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. If you haven't already, my I'm at R Peters 33. That's R P E E T E R S three, three. Josh can be found at roller underscore zero one R O L L E R underscore zero one. The show can be found at Robin roller spelled just as it sounds R O V A N D R O L L E R. Uh, be sure to play along with the show, the upshift downshift segments, uh, all of those. We've got plenty, plenty of controversial topics. You can debate anytime. Uh, if you're a Spotify listener, be sure to answer the Spotify question of the week right there in your app. Uh, if you don't use Spotify, that's okay. Use the hashtag Robin roller on Twitter. We'll answer your questions. Um, that is it for our show. So for Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and thank you all for listening to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll see you next uh, in two weeks after the Daytona 500. Have a good one, everybody.